Today is March 6, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today we meet some new Christians. We talk yet again about the problem of evil, but more, why does God allow bad things to happen to good people? Uh, popularity in religions. Does being popular make them right? Of course not. Um, what does the Bible have to say about it? Well, for part, it talks about how, you know, broad is a way to destruction and many who find that one. So, you know, that's like a bad appeal to popularity. Like, you know, you may not want to be in the popular crowd. Um, and then narrow is the path to life and few who find it. So, you know, currently Christianity is, you know, the most popular religion, but then, uh, out of, out of those who call themselves Christians, what does that mean for, you know, denominations? Um, just because you call yourself a Christian, are you a Christian? How many of those are, you know, like Jesus says, uh, you know, following his commandments, if you love him and doing what he says. Anyway, we talk about that a little bit. Then we talk about the Johnian comma, uh, you know, the John, uh, first John five, uh, seven through eight, um, how, you know, some manuscripts include uh, this sentence about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or that would testify to the Trinity. Um, then we talk about why did Satan tempt Jesus? Because it was already God's world anyway. Satan's just living in it. We chat about that. So, yeah, we meet some new friends, and uh, there are some surprises along the way. So check out the Ask a Christian book on Amazon, and check out the Ask a Christian store. Get some merchandise, get a t-shirt or something that will definitely uh, get people asking you questions about the hope you have and why you have it. Until next time, enjoy. Happy Monday. Um, I mean, other people might think you were hatched, but because um, <laughs> you might be one of those lizard people. A reptilian? The reptilian, yeah. You're one of the reptilians, and you're just pushing this Christianity thing because that's what they want us to believe so that we don't understand their reptilian ways. And we're just confused by our own westernized ideas of society man guys he's on to us go get him go get him yeah i know oh hey hey my new friend showed up serendipity oh hey we're normal we promise what's up feel free to join us yeah she's a christian i just met her last night and there was this room because there's nothing else going on and i was like huh let's go they're talking about noah's flood and i was like cool let's find let's talk to these people and turns out they're like christians that are completely disconnected from the rest of us and i was like oh uh, how about how about we all get together? Hey, Sarah. Oh, welcome. Good to meet you. Hello, hello. I'm sorry it took a second for my Bluetooth to pick up. <laughs> Coming back home from dropping my girl off. How are you this morning? I mean, not as good as you. You are chipper in the morning. Well, no, not really. But I've already been up for like, uh, oh, let's see, three hours. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it takes a while to get my reptile blood going in the morning. Same, same. But you got to sun yourself up, out on the rock, you know, like your patio. <laughs> so so have you uh, have you been on Clubhouse long and we just never knew you existed? I or have you... been probably a year and a half. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. Is there a whole other group of Christians we don't know about? Is this like, the underground, the, like, what is going is this like on? the underground Clubhouse church? Right? I, I have questions. It's the naughty Christians. <laughs> it's all those pesky, naughty, conservative Christians that like to get into all of those shameful political rooms. Oh, wow. Serendipity, meet Nate. Nate, meet Serendipity. You guys are both peas in a pod. Oh, I can't wait till she meets Steph. Oh, yeah. Oh, have you ever met Steph? Um... Possibly. There is a stuff that I have occasionally seen in our political circles that I really, really like that um, 
She's very traditional, uh, very Probably clearly her. Christian. Yeah. Yeah, that's her. That's Steph J for you. Yeah, we well, like welcome. to make fun of Steph a lot. <laughs> welcome, welcome to our little <laughs> slice of uh, Christian hell. Stick around. You'll see what we mean in, we mean in a few minutes. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you. Have you ever met, wait, have you ever met, um, have you ever met baptized by Jesus? I have not. <laughs> oh, oh, it's such a treat. We can't give it away. We can't give don't it away. Don't hold it against mate. us. Don't, yeah, please so we, don't we blame us when you meet this guy, but. We have met some interesting characters along the way. Okay, well, I will totally hold it against you. <laughs> Just so you know. I mean, if by you, you I mean for us, okay. Yeah. <laughs> So it so sounds like you're. So you remember, sounds like you're so you remember what we did 15 years ago, even though we just met? <laughs> Always. <laughs> what, Chris? She's starting to sound more like Steph 2.0. She's like a. She's like a better Steph. <laughs> I'll let you tell her that. Oh, and they're both Arminians too. Uh. Is that, uh, a, is that a synonym for right? Uh, exactly. <laughs> totally. You know what I deal with serendipity? Right. You see? You see? <laughs> hey. Don't dear. forget that dispiness. Serendipity. That's me. Feel free to join us. I don't think I met you before either. Yeah, we're just meeting our new friend, Serendipity. And whoever else wants to join. Oh, Reverend down there. Well, comments, questions. Now, there was some atheist on atheist violence this morning. They were they were uh, debating gun control, and I just grabbed my popcorn and sat back and watched. Ooh, how'd that go? How, I just I would throw in comments like, I don't know, man. I think everybody should be issued a grenade launcher, and you know they just would go at it. What are you talking? That's crazy. You know, <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs> I just kept feeding the fire. It's like throwing gasoline on. Hey, Wesley, good morning. Feel free to jump up with a question or comment or type in chat. Otherwise, just hang out and listen. Oh, there you are. See your hand raised. Hey, what's up, man? Wesley! I'm just waking up. Appreciate me too. Me on stage. I need coffee. <laughs> How's it going? Good, good. How about yourself? Oh, it's going all right, man. Uh, one of my Marine buddies' moms passed away last night. and There's some racist people on Clubhouse arguing. So, you know, it's... It's ups and downs. <laughs> I was going to say, it sounds like Monday. Yeah, it sounds like a Monday. Yes, sir. Well, sorry to hear about the passing. And yeah, as for Clubhouse, yeah, that's part for the course. <laughs> Wes, are you still with Miss Shirley? Yep, yep. Um, she just texted me, actually, and um, I'll probably go get breakfast here in a little while. I'm at, I'm at her um, daughter in law's Airbnb right now. Yeah. All right. All right, Chris, what do you got for us? It's your job to entertain. Dance or educate. Dance. I didn't know you needed dancing monkeys. Why didn't you say so? Mm -hmm. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm trouble. I'm problematic. No, you're like Steph 2.0. This is great. I'd like to verify that she's problematic. Over. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Thank you. That's a great I need, one, gift. I need one more witness for it to be true, Wesley. 
Who was the other <laughs> cat that was modding that room with you, Serendipity? What's his name? Fury. Okie dokie. Yep, Fury. You seem pretty nice. He is. He's a tad bit ragey, but he's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so he's like me, Nate. He's. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's. He's a tad bit ragey, but he's a really good guy. Wow, Chris, you have definitely found your people. (laughs) (laughs) Question for uh, Chris. Totally, totally says this is for Chris. What is uh, premillennial dispensationalism? So that would be my position. So premillennial is just meaning... Uh, that you believe that the millennium comes before the final the final judgment and comes before like the end of the world essentially. So you've got the millennium, and then you've got the actual like coming of Christ at the end of the millennial age um, to end the world and begin the great white throne judgment. He's almost right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Correct him. Yeah, and and dispensationalism is just. So, did you say premillennial dispensationalism? Yes. Is that the question? Yeah. That so, and dispensationalism question. is just the is just the thought and the idea that God divides time into different uh, epochs, um, and so you've got, you know, the and you can see this clearly with just at least the Old Testament and the New Testament, you know, an old covenant and a new covenant. It's it's really not debatable. Um, you know, you've got before Christ. <laughs> After Christ, hey, it's a division of time. Um, I I think mm -hmm. the key component, though, to the dispensationalism, where dispensationalists versus covenantalists disagree, is the fact that uh, there's there's this hairy, nasty mess about Israel and the church. Uh That seems to be where I always tend to argue that point, um, because a lot of people believe that the church is the new Israel. And while in some capacity that might be true, God handles Israel and the church very differently in the Bible. They have very different histories. And I think a lot of people don't necessarily agree with it. Hence, you get your Zionists and your (laughs) anti-Zionists. But, yeah. But I believe that the millennium will be after the second coming. So, there you go. Well, it depends on how you're how you're defining second coming. So second I'm defining second coming as the final like finish of history. Same. Not right. So like so like Same. the final oh you are? So like <laughs> the great white throne judgment occurs before the millennium? Yeah, uh yes. Oh, interesting. Yes. I've never heard of that before. Okay. Well, so what happens wait. to all the people in no. the millennium? No, 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 wait. <laughs> okay. I, was like, wait. I was like, wait Let a minute, do they not get wait. judged? Wait, Let me back it up. <clears throat> I believe that you're going to have, okay, I'm just going to lay it out there, y'all. Don't hit me over the head, okay? I believe that you're right. going to have a rapture of the church. I believe that at some point uh-huh. after that, you're going to have the seven-year tribulation. Yeah. I believe that Satan will be cast, um, he will be bound for the thousand-year millennial reign. Yeah. And then you'll have the... The millennium. 
yeah, you'll have the millennium, the thousand year reign here mm-hmm. while a new heaven and a new earth is prepared. And the judgment is after the tribulation, correct? Yeah, right? No, the judgment's after the millennial reign because all of the people who live in the millennial reign who then rebel against Christ's rule on earth and have the final battle. At that, the end when he's cast at the into the end. lake of fire. Correct, yeah. That's when the great white throne judgment occurs. Okay, I think we so agree. Maybe, I think maybe, we're just yeah, maybe we mixing do. some details. Yeah, because yeah. that's just general. Yep. Yeah, I was about to smack you with my MacArthur Study Bible <laughs> with the goat skin, but all yeah. right. So heresy meter avoided by all. <laughs> yeah. No, it's just and so so yeah, she's completely correct though in terms of how you know the church is spiritual Israel is a thing in covenant theology, and we have to also differentiate between covenant theology and replacement theology. Okay. Yes. So replacement theology is the Catholic doctrine. Okay, that the um, institution of the church, not the individual members, because remember, Catholics look at the church differently than Protestants do. Catholics look at the church as an institution. Protestants, all of us on stage right now, would look at the church as just the makeup of the individual members of the universal church. That is not what Catholics believe. Catholics believe that the church itself is an institution not made up of individuals, but it is institutionalized by Christ in Matthew 18, or I'm sorry, Matthew 16. Um, and so when we talk about the church, we're just talking about me and Nate and serendipity and Wesley and, you know, the people that make up the universal church, even though we don't know each other in real life. Well, I mean, I know Nate a little bit, but like, you know, we don't interact off of clubhouse. We're all still members of the universal church. Whereas the Catholic Church believes that the institution itself is different and separate from the members of the institution. And that is what replaces Israel in replacement theology. This is, this is where you get anti-Semitism from. This is the roots of anti-Semitism in the West. Um, and, and anti-Judaic fervor. Um, and there's a real good book. Um, it's, a, it's mainly a history book. It's called Future Israel by Dr. Bruce Horner. I highly recommend it, but apparently it's a, it's a seminary textbook. And so it goes from the price of like 10 bucks to like a hundred bucks, depending on when you get look during the semester. So it's weird anyway. So, um, but yeah, so, and then covenant theology is just the belief that spiritual Israel is made up of all believers. Okay. Um, and that the, not just the Mosaic covenant, but also the Abrahamic covenant was fulfilled with the church and Christ. And so we as dispensationalists would believe that the Mosaic covenant was fulfilled and that um, that is what is fulfilled in Christ, not the Abrahamic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant is an eternal covenant with his people Israel. Uh, you sound a little bit as if you were trying to speak into a microphone without a pop filter. Are you able to maybe readjust your oh, mic? Just I'm sorry. Bit? Is that better? Uh, say a sentence. Sing a song. I, I mean, I don't think I'm going to sing a song. I'm a little yeah, that's good. That's better. Sing a song. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> sing, dancing monkey. Uh, uh, sing. <laughs> yeah. Is this better? Yes, that is, that, is, that is good. Okay. Yeah, I was just holding the microphone too close. I'm sorry. 
So, so did you did you catch the difference between replacement theology and covenant theology? Replacement theology is that it, it differs in how we view the church. So, if the church is spiritual Israel, that's a different reality than the institution of the church replaces the nation of Israel. Those are two really different ideas. And that tends to be where my arguments on dispensationalism generally tend to uh, fall. That seems to be the big place where we butt heads is we do not look at Israel the same. All right. Solving the world's problems. <laughs> right. All right. I have to go do coffee, but uh, I might pop back in here in a little bit after I do my coffee room, guys. It was good. Nice getting to meet you, Nate. Uh, good to meet you as well. I'm sure when you come back in, um, today, today's going to be a short day. Uh, my, my family decided to visit um, <laughs> from the other side oh, of yay. the country. So um, <laughs> so I've, I've got them. Um, <laughs> anyway, so we may not be here, but usually we're here for a few hours. And if you uh, manage to come back when we are, after everyone has their coffee. Um, it's like, yep. a, you, you, well, it depends, right? I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound terrible. It's either like a good Christian kumbaya room or outright like war. Well, you know, okay. everyone's like yelling and screaming. <laughs> so, you know, fun. It'll be fun. Awesome. Well, you guys good. Be times. good. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Was the best of times? Was the worst of times? Name the song, Chris. Well, wasn't that the first line of a Dickens novel? Uh, it could have been from there. It was a song from the was 90s. Tale of Two Cities, right? Wasn't that the first line? Somebody help me. Was it the yeah, first line in Tale yeah, of Two just, Cities? Yeah, you're I right. mean, I want to say you're probably right, but I was thinking of the song, uh, what was it? Um, Chumbawamba. <laughs> so they probably, they probably quoted it from that. Yeah, they're British, so, you know. I have a friend who's one of his favorite bands is Chumbawamba. Like, and he unironically listens to all of their albums, and they had more than one. <laughs> I would not have guessed that. Yeah, he's hey, a weird dude. Matt Rich, welcome. <laughs> Serendipity. <laughs> yeah, she's funny. I really like her. I met her in that room the other night, uh, or I guess last night. They were talking about Noah's Flood, but they're, like, way more tolerant than the rest of us. Maybe... I don't know. Wait, just... wait, wait, wait. What do you mean by us? I mean, dude, like they were letting they were letting Muslims say their piece for a really long time when I was like, what does this have to do with Noah's Ark? They were just <laughs> they were like, no, no, just let them talk. And I'm like, oh, OK, Tartan, that not like not like yelling and screaming like you're stupid. You need to read a book. You're an idiot. No, more like, <laughs> OK, cool. Yeah, you can. You can tell us all about how Allah is God. That's great. You know, and I was like, all right, that's cool. I just, I have very little patience for Muslims. Maybe that's part of my failing. Go ahead and uh, drop your address real fast. Right, exactly. I mean, let me rephrase that. I have plenty of patience for Muslims. I have very little patience for Muslims preaching at me how Jesus is a prophet. Like, that makes me crazy because I find it blasphemous. Another dude in here a minute ago, his, uh, he, he was very, super, like, extra-reformed in his thing. It said, Arminianism is a heresy. So, uh... <laughs> oh, is that Seth? Yeah. Yeah. 
Arminianism is heresy. Arminianism is not heresy. It just has to do with do you believe in libertarian free will? And both are within orthodoxy. Next time I see him, I'll have to let him know that his face is a heresy. Yeah, that sounds good. Go <laughs> you know, Christian love. All, that. all right, what do we got? Um, you know, there are a couple of, couple of people that came in and raised their hands, but it's like, who, who was it? Was talking, someone was talking about like racism or maybe it was in chat. They said they just rest, left like a racist room mm-hmm. and the people like wanting to raise their hand were like part of the new Reich or something. I'm like, nope, can't let you guys up on stage. <laughs> oh, that's too early to deal with that. Yeah, I really I don't like racists. Yeah, same thing. It's just so stupid. Same thing. It's just, ah, like it's it's just so so dumb, and and it's not like like you know I don't care to talk with pretty much anyone. Like say whatever you want. I mean I have a threshold for you know how much nonsense I can just have go into my ears, but like as as a policy matter, no, I'm pretty much I'm really really difficult to offend. So you know you can say all kinds of blasphemous, evil, unholy stuff. And they can be like, oh, I hear you. I just disagree. Thank you for your time. Goodbye. Um, it, but I mean, you know, it, it's more like the ignorance of it. So it's not their point. If they're like, yes, I hate everyone. It's not my race because I'm the best race. It's like, okay, I hear you and I disagree with you. But more than that, the thing that's more offensive is the ignorance of the person saying that. Does that make sense? So it's not like necessarily that hate, which is not great. But the thing that I hate more than the hate is the ignorance that's propelling it. Anyways. Or or not, I don't know, Chris. You, I mean, I can I guess I can track that guy down and he can send you some hoods. Um, you know. I see you're unmuted, but I do not hear you. Hey, Gia, welcome. Save us. Hi. Um. <laughs> I How just you doing? Wanted... I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'll let you know in a minute. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. That's good. Um, I just wanted to ask, like, about. So, say you're trying to evangelize to a an atheist, actually, and they talk about um, what they've been through, and they just say, "Oh, if a god existed, then why would he allow this?" Should I explain? Should I explain to them? Like, should I go down a theological route and explain to them the reason why? there's sin in the world and the reason why there's death or do I try to appeal to them another way? I mean, one of my, uh, real quick, one of my buddies, Nate, he's on the set for Sean. He's, he said, uh, it's kind of a joke now, but do so many people have come in the room, Gia, and been like, if, if God exists, why bad things happen? (laughs) And we've had this talk so many times. Sorry, Nate. I mean, I would, I, I mean, I would kind of suss it out, right? Like the Bible, I believe, tells us, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit will, you know, point our convictions, and you know, we'll, we'll um, get certain insight, Chris. If that, if that bothers you, plug your ears. But I really think we should rely on our own convictions, uh, you know, to kind of discern whether or not, you know, that's the right way to take this conversation. So there's no one size fits all. So it seems like if they're just like spewing, like, oh, God allows bad stuff to happen, therefore there is no God. But I also hate him. Um, see, I can straw them in with the best of them. But, you know, if that's their position, you could just sense that they just don't care. Then I'd be like, look, man, read Job. <laughs> the bad stuff happens. Get used to it. I mean, the Bible, you know, it's not a mystery. The Bible says bad stuff's going to happen. Um, if if they actually care, they're like, look, I, I really am seeking. I really want to know. Like, maybe there could be a God, but I have this question. 
then I would, you know, I, I would probably be more inclined to hold their hand and walk them through, you know, a couple of the great ideas and why we think there is evil in the world. Um, what do you think about that, Gia? So um, it's one of those ones where the person is just spewing, well, <laughs> blasphemy. So, yeah, like he just was saying nonsense. And I asked him, why does he believe that? And then he said what he said. So I guess, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I asked him, I probably shouldn't have, I probably should have explained anyway. But I asked him like, can I explain to you why they're sin? He didn't respond. So, But I was just asking in future reference because I know that it's going to come up again. But So, yeah. yeah, so I mean, the really short answer would be like, look, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us even to his followers. He says, look, good stuff happen, is going to happen to you. Bad stuff is going to happen to you. Like bad stuff is pretty much guaranteed to happen to you. And, you know, the Bible in Proverbs says it rains on the just and unjust alike. So that's why bad stuff happens to good people. Good stuff happens to bad people. Um, so no one should be surprised. Like, it, it's going to happen, right? The Bible tells us that. So it's not like the Bible's trying to say it's not going to happen. And then they're like, oh, see, your book is a lie. Like the Bible tells us good and bad stuff both happen to good and bad people. And, you know, look at Job. Like if you think you're in a position to complain more than him. And, you know, so I think more than anything, glass half full. So look, whatever's going on in your world, you can be you can be sure some people have had it better than you. But a lot of people have probably had it a lot worse than you. It doesn't make their pain and the immediate circumstance feel better or go away, but it's reality. So it's like if they want to play on emotions, that's not going to be very helpful. But for people that are like, I'm a person of reason and intellect, and I don't let emotions get in my way. That's a great time to use that. And then you can see if they really get emotional and they're like, well, that's not fair. It's like, okay, okay. So I, I know you probably didn't mean to lie, but th this is the unemotional answer. Bad stuff's going to happen. Sorry for whatever circumstances going on in your life, but people have definitely had it worse. And then, you know, be a better person than I am and empathize with whatever they're dealing with. But I, I really think the real reason there is evil in the world, I mean, because the Bible doesn't tell us. The Bible tells us there is evil in the world, and it talks about the fall of man and things like that. But it doesn't give us the mind of God. It doesn't lay out for our benefit the, the why and everything like that. It just says, hey, this is how it is. Some of the, the top answers, I believe, are God gave the earth to Adam and Eve and said, hey, be a good steward. Do this one th or don't do this one thing. Be a good steward of the earth. And they did the one thing God said not to do. So I believe that's how Satan, the little G God of this world, you know, somehow exhibits significant influence in this world. Doesn't mean God's not ultimately in control because we're told from the very begin very ending of Revelation that Jesus was always the foundation, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So that was always his plan. So why that happens? God doesn't bow down to our level and spill out his brain for us. We're just told that that happens. So anyways, because of the fall of man and Adam and Eve's sin, thanks ancestors. Um, there is this fallen world and the devil exerts great influence over it. So that's the answer. So when there's bad stuff in the world, blame the ultimate evil identified in the Bible. Don't blame the ultimate creator. So that's like, you know, they're like, well, if God technically created everything, then it's technically God's fault. Okay, sure. If you want to do that. But I mean, that's the only time you do that. Like if there's a car accident, you typically don't go after the car manufacturer. You go after the person who's driving drunk or whatever, driving reckless. So why wouldn't you do that with God? So then, the other place I would take it is unemotionally is, look, in 100 years, we're all going to be dead. 
So no matter what terrible suffering happens in this brief amount of time on earth, if you compare that to eternity, maybe it's a test, maybe it's to show your devotion, maybe it's to exercise, you know, something else, uh, your your emotions or your will toward towards God or align yourself with evil, whatever. Maybe it's a proving ground. It doesn't matter. The Bible doesn't say specifically. It just says, hey, recognize the obvious. Jesus is the way to God. Jesus is the way to the Father. Just like he says, no one comes to the Father except through him. Uh, repent and believe the gospel. Dare to exercise an amount of faith. Receive Christ. Be born again. And that's it. And then when you die, you have eternity. So compare like, you know, the most unimaginable suffering you can. And in less than 100 years, all of that's going to go away. And then you have eternity. So me, I can be like, yeah, I, I guess, even though it sucks sometimes and I don't like everything bad. I can deal with a little pain and suffering here and there compared to eternity. I'm not going to let that get me hung up and be like, oh, God's so evil. Uh, oh, he also doesn't exist. Uh. Anyway, that's why I think the actual answer is most closely related to. But I mean, that's really all we have because the Bible doesn't, you know, like I said, spill out God's brains for us to dissect like a like an experiment. It just says, this is what you need to know. This is how it is. Make your choice. Like Joshua 24. People were similarly complaining about, you know, this and that. And Joshua was like, hey, look, if, if you don't want to serve God, if you want to follow your God, the gods of your ancestors, then go ahead and do that. Uh, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So that is the position of Christians. For us, we we follow the Lord. Thank you for answering my question. Um, that's literally... <laughs> About, like, the fall of man and everything. That's literally what I wanted to say to him, but, yeah, he didn't respond, so. <laughs> but I also wanted to ask, um, in regards to, like, people who are stuck in, in so-called Christian cults, so, like, you know, the LDS Church and Jehovah's Witnesses, like, I, I don't really know how to, like, <laughs> how to really approach them because, they think that they're believers and I've even shown them where, you know, I'm talking about Mormons now. I've even shown some of them where um, they get things wrong and they'll say that, oh, this part of the Bible was mistranslated. So it's like, what can I even say to you then if you're going to disregard the Bible and you're going to lift up a man above <laughs> God's word itself and say, that oh this is just another testament of god like how how do i respond to that like them saying it's another testament of god like i don't I mean, know how to well, <laughs> well i mean it would be it would be worth pointing out the scriptures that talk about you know the adding to and taking away from the word and things like that so like basically all the stuff they're doing completely wrong i mean probably the ones that are like i don't know at an apologist level like you know they know the stuff they're indoctrinated in it and they go and like do mission work. Of course, they're gonna they're gonna know these these um, questions, and they're gonna have whatever reason they justify it. Um, but I bet there's a lot of them that actually don't know it. That are just like run of the mill, regular, new type people, or they haven't really gone that deep in their doctrines. So if you're like, hey, look, the Bible says even if an angel of the Lord or an angel or whatever, not of the Lord, but you know the guys, like even if an angel preaches a different gospel than what you've heard, um, it's wrong. Um, don't believe it. Go away from it. It's a lie. And then when they specifically have, it's like, guys, if you're trying to like line up with what not to do, your extra testament comes to you from an angel preaching a different gospel. Like, why wouldn't you say like a talking monkey in the jungle gave it to you? At least that wouldn't play right into the hands of the Bible saying, even if an angel comes preaching a gospel different, don't believe it. 
And then they're like, oh, here we here we have an angel, um, Moroni, which, by the way, take off the eye. And when someone pointed that out, that's hilarious. What is Moroni without the eye? Um, give you a second. Anyway, so it's like they're like, oh, OK, I know the Bible says even if an angel comes preaching a different gospel, it's a lie. But we have an angel coming and preaching a different gospel. So it's not a lie. So it would be worth pointing stuff out like in the Bible where it, you know, contrasts or contradicts their um, their doctrine. But, um, you know, I'm sure the ones that are, have really dealt with this a lot of times um, probably have their answers. You know what? Let's let's let me just find out. I'm curious. Do you know, Chris, like what they say to some of these rebuttals? Let me ask our AI friend. Oh, it heard me. Hang on. What do Mormons say when you challenge their doctrine and cite the Bible saying that even if an angel comes and preaches a different gospel, don't believe it? Full stop. How do Mormons counter that argument? Question mark. All right. This is going to be a very generic answer, I have a feeling. Okay, Mormons believe that the Bible is the word of God, but also believe in the additional scripture, including the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and Pearl of Great Price. Therefore, when challenged on their doctrine of how it differs from the Bible, um, Mormons might explain that they believe in modern-day revelation and that God continues to speak through, eh, prophets and apostles today. Regarding the warning in the Bible not to believe a different gospel, even if preached by an angel, Mormons might argue that this is precisely why they believe in the Book of Mormon. According to their beliefs, an angel named <laughs> Moron I appeared uh, to the Book of Mormon's prophet Joseph Smith and directed him to the ancient record uh, that he translated and published as the Book of Mormon. Mormons view the Book of Mormon as the second witness of Jesus Christ and the restoration of some of the plain and precious truths that were lost from the Bible. Okay, I see where this is going. Additionally, Mormons might point out that the Bible itself underwent changes, eh, like you were saying, Gia, in translations throughout history, leading some to discrepancies and variations in its interpretation. Therefore, they believe in the importance of seeking revelation from God to understand the truth and discern the teachings that are in line with the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'm guessing their out would be, he's not preaching a different gospel. He's directing us to things that were hidden because, I don't know, they came from God in the Middle East and ended up in like Missouri or Utah or wherever. So, so may, maybe they would say that. So instead of, well, no, no, an angel's not preaching a different gospel. An angel just uncovered something that was long, long, long lost. That was part of the original gospel, I guess. Wow. I wonder where the proof is for that. That's interesting. <laughs> But another thing I noticed about them is that they like to rely on like their feelings or their emotions, if I can put it that way. So like <laughs> they will because I've heard them saying to one of my friends who was actually trying to witness to them, um, they actually said to her, oh, go and read the Book of Mormon and see how you feel. And it's like, do they not realize that Satan can also deceive people using feelings like <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I just think that it's crazy. Yeah, and, and that's where Chris <laughs> may have a problem. And uh, I see you're unmuted, Chris, but if you're trying to talk, something happened, maybe plugging your mic or if you're just unmuted but being super quiet. Uh, that's where Chris has had issues with, uh, you know, people like uh, Roy and myself before. have been like, well, look, you know, you pray, you 
I mean, what was the thing Roy said? He's like, peace or no peace. And it's like kind of relying, like if the Bible doesn't directly speak to a situation, kind of relying on like, you know, God to kind of nudge you or give you insight in your heart or something like that in a certain direction, which by the way, I believe, but unfortunately I know that, yeah, like you said, Mormons rely heavily on stuff. I would say similar, but not the same, uh, but close enough to be uncomfortable sometimes that like this personal kind of revelation and testimony and stuff like that. Um, but I would, I would argue it's different than what, uh, what those of us who are not Mormons are talking about when we mean that to a degree. Of course I would. Uh, to answer Bob real fast, it says, Nate does not believe in the apostles and prophets. Um, I would say as, as like, you know, if we're talking about like the, the fivefold or something like that, um, I ride that line pretty thin. So if we're talking in like, you know, um, apostle as in messenger, like, like, uh, Sean there, which by the way, I meant to ask him sometime, but, um, you know, if we're talking like apostle as in sent messenger, like, Yes, you could also, you know, put my title synonymous with evangelist or missionary or someone who is just going, bringing the news of the gospel, then apostle it away. Um, if they mean it in a different way, I, I may take, take issue. If they say I am a prophet, uh, as in uh, biblically, like speaking boldly the claims of Christ, the claims of God, the word of God, then great. Go grab your Bible, stand on a street corner and profit it up. Um, as far as, you know, proclaiming what is in the Bible boldly and with conviction. If they mean like Kat Kerr, like prophesying about new revelation, which is just like what we talked about, even if an angel or, you know, a whack job person comes inventing new prophecies that's outside of a closed canon, then that's a big problem. Um, and by the way, you know, the Bible talks about if they're, if they're not completely right, then, <laughs> you know, under the Levitical law, be glad, I guess, if they're a Gentile, um, they should be put to death. So just just saying. Um, so I would say if, if they're prophet in the sense that they get new revelation, that's secret knowledge just for them, like, you know, it was the Samuel or Isaiah or someone like that in, in the Bible. Um, I would say no. If they mean prophet is in boldly prof professing the Bible. Sure. Um, anyway. Uh, yeah. Sean, what's up, man? Hey, uh, OK. Number one, there is no new revelation of the Lord. OK, <laughs> what what now restored illumination of present truth, which means one of the things the Lord has revealed throughout his work, hallelujah, that people may have seen like the, what the reformers did in in the 1500s, during the Protestant Reformation, we see different movements going throughout church history. But no, my apostleship is I do missionary, I just got back from Uganda, so I want to tell you something <laughs> right there. I went to an Islamic country. Oh, okay. I'm glad you made it back and preached and preached the gospel, and many received. Okay, that's my apostleship. Okay, <laughs> all right. Not am I one of the twelve? No. Am I any of the other fourteen that the Bible mentions? No. Do I do I believe in writing uh, another chat another biblical book? No. The canon is closed. So I'm going to make that real clear. <laughs> uh, and that's what I mean by apostleship. I don't mean that uh, 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 that uh, the, the people that uh, I can write you another uh, chapter of the Bible of the New Testament. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. What I mean by apostle is what? Paul, Silas, Timothy, Judas, 
Agabus, Philip D. And one one place of one person I can't be is Jesus. Hebrews 3 1. <laughs> For those who don't understand. Bible calls him the, the apostle and high priest of our faith. So no, 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 no. I I'm not claiming to be Jesus. I know we got folk out here who claim to be Jesus, who claim to be Jesus, and they died as a doornail. <laughs> Some I don't even know one person who claimed to be the God sent comforter. I ain't never heard of the Holy Spirit. Dying of COVID nineteen in federal prison. <laughs> okay, so all this is all this. You can check it out. Guy was he was a Hebrew Israelite, head of the head of head of the Israelite community called the Israelite Church of Jesus of God in Jesus Christ, not the Church of Jesus of of God in Christ, which is a Pentecostal. A body and they're very sound in doctrine, but a but <laughs> but this other thing, Lord have mercy. Well, he got arrested and convicted of embezzlement and fraud. Was sent to federal prison, caught COVID nineteen and died there. Stole millions of people, got people for millions of dollars. He and another person. Who was who worked in concert with him? Well, uh, uh, no, 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 no. The Bible says we don't listen to false Christ, like that Yahweh being Yahweh guy back in the day who was having people killed because they didn't believe that he was Jesus. <laughs> Literally having their heads cut off of him. So, yeah, no, 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 no. And by prophethood. The test of a prophet is what he does to say, does he he or she say come come to pass? If it come to pass, you listen. If you don't, it's a false prophet. Period. Now to get the prophecy. Now simple gift of prophecies, you know, we define that in First Corinthians 14. It says what? He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to the church. That is the simple the definition of the simple gift of prophecy. But uh, my prophethood, anybody who says they are prophets today, they must speak and declare the words of Jesus Christ, him crucified, him resurrected, him ascended, him coming back for all those who put their faith and trust in his name and his finished work on the cross. That's, that's it. Now, if you're trying to tell me that uh, God told you to write some Write, write you another, write another book, write another um, book and proclaim it to be scripture. I'm going to look at you real funny. You're going to get the side after me real quick. And I'm asking y'all to continue to pray for my son because he's caught up with the LDS. Absolutely. He's, caught, he's caught up with the LDS. He's been caught up with that for the past couple of years. He won't even return my calls or texts when I call or text him. I wonder why. And I'm being facetious when I say that. So thank you. Will do. Well, let's see. I want to say, is there anyone else who'd like to join me on stage? But I don't know if I can deal with your crazy today, Bob. Um, is there anyone else? <laughs> 
Steph, I will respect your whatever you're doing and not invoke the thing. Let's see. Anyways, Gia, you got anything else? That's all I can think of for now. Thanks. Well, I mean, a deal in uh, chat seems to have a, a thing for like appealing to popularity, which, by the way, there's like what one one point eight billion Christians and like, you know, a few hundred million less uh, Muslims. So, I mean, you can say Christianity is is dying. And I'd say the Bible, you know, depending what, what you talked about, like the scripture I posted could agree with you. So, first of all, I mean, it's still the most popular religion of the world. Doesn't make it right just because it's the most popular, but it is. So, you know, when Islam overtakes it by, you know, uh, somehow convincing people or on pain of death by the sword, um, when it overtakes Christianity, if that's what happens, that would be a time to say it's dying. Until then, you know, we're, what we do see is these capitulating Christian churches to our detriment who are are bending over to like, you know, the the social, political correct type thing and doing everything to like water down Jesus, water down the gospel. Like, oh, no, you could be a Christian. You, you could do what you want. You know, you violate the commandments. You do whatever the Bible says not to do. And, uh, you know, that's fine. You can still be a Christian. God is love. God loves everyone just as you are. Never change. We see those are like completely dying. And, you know, they, they have like all these different um, flags and social agendas going on on their social media and stuff. And they, they're struggling for attendance because no one wants to attend a dead, powerless church. Um, but then what we do see, hang on. So what we do see is these smaller, you know, these smaller kind of not publicized, not appealing to man and the efforts of man, stuff like that. They are rapidly exploding. And if you look at the underground churches, you know, in heavy persecution, which is typically where the church has flourished and thrived because they're, they're not worried about extra stuff of the world because they're worried about, you know, as today, the day I'm going to be fed by fed to lions or today, the day I'm going to be, you know, forced into following some other religion or have my head chopped off. Um, so that's when I think the power of the Christian church really comes alive, like in persecuted, you know, persecuted Middle East or China, like the underground church is exploding huge. And I would just say that. So first of all, the popularity doesn't mean something is right or wrong. That's just what it is. Um, so currently Christianity is winning in popularity, but then uh, it says not everyone who says Lord, Lord is going to enter heaven, right? So enter by the narrow gate for wide and broad is the gate that leads to destruction. And there are many, many who go into it. So that's like a counter to popularity. So if you say my religion is more popular than you, great. You could be on the path to broad destruction because the road is really wide. But narrow is the gate which leads to life. And there are few who find it. So even out of the 1.8 billion you know, people who say they're Christians, how many really are? I mean, God knows. But I would just, I would just say that. Uh, what's up, Red? Hey, what's up? How are you? Good. Good. Okay. All right. Yeah, I agree with you. Popularity. I, I'm a Muslim, by the way. And popularity doesn't uh, doesn't mean you're right or wrong. I agree with you on that. But like I said, you many many people call themselves like Christians, but they don't practice it. But they they, they don't practice it. That's that's well known. That's in uh, like every religion. Most call them themselves Christian or Muslims, but they, they don't practice it. So you can look at the numbers, like um, if you look at the numbers of the religious uh, domination, denominations, uh, Sunni Islam is, is on top. And um, with like 1.6 billion or 1.5 billion, and um, I think it's Orthodox or uh, no, Catholicism that is uh, with what around 1 to billion but you know numbers say nothing 
<clears throat> you mean? Do you know what I mean? Yes. Numbers say nothing. Exactly, man. Oh, what was it? I said exactly. Welcome back, Chris. How was your phone call? Unless he's still on the phone. When he was red, I don't know if we spoke before, but anything else on your mind? Oh, man, I'm good. So uh, you guys are Christians? Uh, yes. Okay. What de denomination do you subscribe to? Uh, Non-denominational. We just follow the Bible as close as we can. Ah, okay, okay. Okay, it's all right. So you believe in the, in the Trinity? Mm -hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit? Yep. Each God, but not the same? Correct. Same God, different persons. Okay. So what, uh, what, uh, is denomination the right word or sect of Muslim are you? How, how do you say it? Is it denominations or sects? Uh, like, you know, like yes, Sunni it's, Yeah, it's, it's the, uh, the same, but it's, uh, I'm, uh, I'm subscribed to, I'm a Sunni, Sunni Muslim. Well, Gia, Sean? Say it again. Oh, I was seeing if Gio or uh, Sean had anything to say. Oh. Otherwise, this is going to be a short day. I do have family visiting, so this whole week is going to be short. But I, I think we've still been here almost an hour, so that's... Oh, yeah, 47 minutes, 45 seconds. Oh, let's see what Amir has to say. Maybe that'll be the last one. Hey, what's going on? Hey, Amir. How are you? We do hear you. Uh, you're a little quiet. Hey, I got a question. I got a question for you guys. Uh, what do you think uh, regarding the verse 1 John 5 7? What was it? First John what? 5 7. First John 5 7. Yeah. Let me go there real quick. Okay. I mean, I, I think what it says, I don't see how there's a lot of um, interpretation. There are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, right. the Son, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Right. This was uh, taken out of the Bible. They, they said that this verse here um, was not in the original manuscripts or the earliest manuscripts. Uh, you're you're really hard to hear. You're you're really quiet and also kind of chopping up. I think he said that that verse wasn't in the earliest manuscript. Is that right? Right, right. That's exactly what I'm saying. Were you just making a statement, or? Help me what out. I'm, I'm just a little confused where you're going. What do you think regarding a verse being added into the Bible that was not in its earliest manuscripts, that they, after a thousand years, they added this verse into the manuscripts uh, to validate uh, their belief, but it wasn't in the earliest manuscripts. And so now they're taking it out of the Bible and saying that this is a, a corruption.
Well, who is they? Well, first of all, I'd say it doesn't matter. So let's read that again. For there are three that testify. Uh, the One second. And I, I do love the Bible. Um, before I make the point I wanted to make, let me just read this. So like I'm reading, and if you go to like Bible Gateway, like I love the Bible because people say they want transparency, but then you find out they don't always mean that. But the Bible, like it has um, a note and it tells on itself. So for anyone questioning, it's not like, a, you know, a Vatican secret in the vault. Let me just read this note. It says, Light manuscripts of the Vulgate testify in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. There are three that testify on earth, not found in any Greek manuscript before the 14th century. So, I mean, it even tells on itself. However, the point I was going to make is this doesn't matter because it's redundant. So if this was not in the, you know, one of the original found manuscripts, um, there are three that testify, the Spirit. Uh, the water and the blood, or the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but this is redundant, and that's one thing I like about the Bible, especially the New Testament, because they're they're preaching the gospel, so they're saying all the same thing. Just like uh, you know, if you go to first, uh, if you go to John one, and it starts talking about Jesus, and it starts talking about the how he's the Word, and then you see that same thing in Revelation, and then when he gives the Great Commission, he says, "Go baptize and uh, you know." All the world making disciples and, and baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So even if this verse seven and verse eight were not in some of the most originals, and Mark has something to say too. But if they're not in some of the original manuscripts, um, like the Vulgate or whatever, uh, you still find the same thing all throughout the New Testament, like what I just said. So I would say that. Hang on, I want to see what Mark has to say. I okay. think he's probably got some. So, so you're saying that. So are you saying that uh, it doesn't matter that it was added into the uh, into the Bible because you see this throughout the Bible? No, I would say if it was if it was like malevolently added into the Bible and they're like, oh, you know, here's a perfect spot. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and really drive this point home like nefariously. Then, yes, I would say that's a problem. If they're finding this like, you know, if they have a stack of copies, a stack of manuscripts and they're like, you know, this one is not in, uh, you know, this manuscript um, because, you know, it's the most copy, the most copied scripture on planet Earth. So like if they're like, you know, this is not in this manuscript. So we went ahead and printed it and we went ahead and carried it on. And then later they go back and find like, oh, in this another uh, a whole other stack of manuscripts. Oh, look, here it is. So if it's like a copyist problem, like, you know, like in first Kings, I think people make a big deal about that, that the copy um, has a difference of a like a side margin note that changes the age of one of the kings. And they try to use that and say, well, look, because of that, God's word is valid. And we're not talking about copyists or copiers. So if you have a stack of manuscripts and there's something that was in one manuscript that's not in the other manuscript, then I would take that all and be like, okay, this is fine. Like it must, you know, maybe the guy got, you know, blinded at the moment or was martyred for his faith. So that was about the part he was ready to write that line. And then he got murdered. So the other guy picked it up and included it. Anyways, but I want to hear what Mark has to say about it real quick, too. What's up, Mark? Hey, good morning. Yeah, can you hear me okay? I'm using some different yes, headphones. Yes, good morning. I like, right. I like the headphones. You sound good. All right. So um, that passage in 1 John 5, the scholars call it the Johannine comma. Johannine is a fancy name that means penned by the Apostle John. And, of course, the Holy Spirit gave him the words for John, 1st John, 2nd John, and 3rd John, and Revelation. But this Johannine comma is hotly debated, and you can read things about it. And the 
way that I understood it from my studies, and you can confirm it on your own if you like, is that uh, for centuries, we're talking um, you know, 500, 600, 700, 800, 900, 1,100, the year 1,100, 1,200, 1,300, 1,400, 1,500, there were manuscripts of the New Testament that were carefully copied and handed down. And obviously, if a copyist made an error, a uh, manuscript would be set aside. But in the bulk of those manuscripts, we are able to um, clearly, I think, clearly see the very words that God originally gave, even though we don't have those <clears throat> original manuscripts. Well, then around 1800, um, two very old manuscripts were discovered. And the scholars would date those back to the year 300. And because those two old manuscripts um, varied in some places from the accepted manuscripts that were passed down from generation to generation, a lot of people assumed that those older manuscripts had to be better because they were older. And... Therefore, a lot of the new English translations have all favored the two old manuscripts rather than the ones that were passed down through every generation. So I'm in the school of thought where God preserves his word for every generation. And so I tend to hold to uh, the Johannine comma as being authentic. But Nate, you made um, an excellent point. Nate's not like um, Amir kind of worded it differently to make it sound bad. He said, so you're saying if they uh, took something out of the Bible, it's okay because uh, or if they added something to the Bible, it's okay because it's in other places of the Bible. Well, when you word it that way, it doesn't sound right. So what we're saying is, no, well, I think what Nate was, okay, that's kind of how I heard it, I guess. No, so what I'm Nate saying. was you want me to say it again so you can understand me? Sure, sure. Okay. Um, according to uh, the earliest church fathers, the Greek and Latin manuscripts, and the testimony of the earliest extant manuscripts of the Bible, um, Newton, he claimed that demonstrated that the words in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, that supports the Trinity doctrine, uh, he uh, attempts to demonstrate that the, uh, that the uh, reading crept into the Latin versions, first as a marginal note and later into the text itself. So he noted that the Egyptian, the Sciatic, uh, the Greek, and the Aramean, and the uh, Georgian. And the uh, yeah, Amir, we, we, uh, Amir, sorry, we really can't understand you. You're chopping up and super quiet. Um, Mark, were you able to hear any of that? I, I'm not. I, I don't think anyone's able to really hear that. I think I caught most of it, and I know where he's going. Yeah, I can it. hear him, but he's very low. Yeah, I'm on a truck, I know so where he's I can't going. hear him real good. Well, hang uh, on. Go ahead. Go ahead, Mark. Yeah, I know where he's going with that, and that's, um, that is one of the ways that you can look at it. You can um, Google or research things, and you'll find people who – will write what he is articulating that those things started as a marginal note and then they got mistakenly added into the scripture. 
Um, but you can also read um, different scholars who argue the other point. So what I would challenge you to do is to read both sides and then consider which one has the better arguments. And for me, because I believe what God said in 2 Timothy 3, 16, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And I believe Psalm 12, 6 and 7, that'll preserve it for every generation. That's what has led me to hold to the uh, Greek manuscripts that have been accepted through every generation down through the centuries, rather than to side with uh, a few older manuscripts that maybe, you know, the reason I think they were older is that they realized they had left some things out. And so they set them aside, you know, in the Vatican, down in the basement and in the sands of Egypt and Alexandria, it just got set aside. And um, that's probably why it lasted a lot longer than the ones that were being faithfully copied over and over and over. And so that's kind of my view on it. But Nate made an excellent point. And what the point is, is that even if you decide that, well, the Johannine comma is not really part of true scripture, you still have boatloads of Bible truth that will communicate the truths of the Trinity. And so it's not, uh, it's not like we're going to have to die on this hill of First John chapter 5, verse 7 and 8. Well, so that's what I, I mean, wanted that's, to I mean, that's well, a so, very huge thing. If, if, well, if well hang, hang on, Amir. Yeah, hang on. Thanks, thanks, Mary. But I see Stacy, and then I'm going to have to go soon, so I want to get to everyone. But just to cap this up, I don't think there's anything else that can be said. I get where you're going, right? The argument would be like, well, you can't just willingly only be adding to Scripture because because that's bad, and everyone is agreeing. So there's no point in making that argument because we all agree. If you just randomly add Scripture to bolster your point, you know, I would say no. I'm definitely not following that part of the Bible. Yet I do follow that part of the Bible. So there's something more than meets the eye that's going on. And I agree, it's what Mark said. So, you know, I'm someone of the persuasion that typically the rule of thumb is older is better and less is more. However, older is, in truth, not always better and less is not always more. So when it is and can be, then great. That's, that's typically my, my default. But that doesn't always make us the case. So I, I would say that. So I don't believe, you know, the Bible is the most scrutinized thing on the planet. And, um, you know, I, I don't believe that at this point anyone would rightly say there's any nefarious stuff going on. Some people make, may make that argument, but I guarantee they have a big problem with Christianity. It's not just because of like pure intellectual uh, scholarship, pure as the driven snow. Um, so I would I would say that. But, you know, we get the train. And that's one thing I love, especially about New Testament stuff and the gospel. If you started like parsing out and just like taking sections out of the New Testament, you're still going to find virtually the exact same message because it's just redundant. Like the stuff that they say in Matthew, you know, they say in Luke and John. Also, the stuff they say in Acts, they say in that's Romans, the, say, the stuff they. Amir, Amir, just chill out. Um, the mod is speaking. Anyway, I mean, if it's not true, then show me sources. So I'm not talking about every jot and tittle, but as far as the gospel message, the Trinity, things like this, Jesus being baptized, um, it's definitely in multiple parts in the gospel. So it's said over and over and over, um, even in Revelation and Jude. So um, that's the point. If you did away or if we didn't have half of the New Testament, we would still have the exact same message of the New Testament because it's just redundancy upon redundancy. Anyway, uh, Stacy, what's up? I want to make sure I get to you before we have to run. Yeah, hi, thanks. How are you doing? Hey, good. How about yourself? 
Not too bad. Well, honestly, I just came in here out of curiosity because in my experience, I've gotten different answers depending on the um, denomination of Christianity. So um, do you have a denomination before I ask you my question? Uh, non-denominational. I have a Pentecostal background if that does anything for you. But no, non-denominational. I just try to follow the first century church that we find in Acts and also uh in the rest of scripture, but yeah, that's, that's my goal. Okay. So kind of non-denominational. Okay. Well, my question is, what is, what are your thoughts on eternal hellfire? I mean, who goes there and who doesn't, I guess is what I'm kind of asking. Great question. A long answer. I'll try to keep it short and sweet. So first of all, yeah, I do think there is eternal hell. I, I think, you know, people that say hell's not a thing, Sheol's not a thing, Jesus calls it the lake of fire. So people use it synonymously with, synonymously with hell. So when he says lake of fire forever, I believe that. So there are other people, other views of hell that is not literal, that's annihilationism. So the first thing, I do believe the literal view of hell where it's going to be really hot forever and it's going to suck. Don't go there. As far as who does go there, Jesus says he's, you know, the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. So the only way to get on, you know, to be okay, to be reconciled to God is believing in the death, burial, resurrection uh, of Jesus. And he says you must be born again. So I believe if you, someone seeks him, prays to Jesus, says, look, I repent and believe the gospel, what we just said, and I will follow you. Make me born again. Give me eternal life. Then you are saved. He will forgive you. He will make you born again. And you are reconciled to your creator. Uh, that's the way to heaven, just like Romans 10, 9 and 10 says. The exact same thing. It says if you believe with your uh, believe with your heart, God raised Jesus from the dead and confess Jesus as Lord, you will be saved. So anyone that doesn't take that approach and put their faith in Jesus, then those people, I believe, will be in this lake of fire he talks about forever. Can I ask you a question, yeah? Hold on, Red. Stacy's chatting. Uh, Stacy. Yeah. Okay, so... If, so basically, if I heard you right, correct me if I'm wrong. If you believe in Jesus, then you are not going to go to hell. But if you don't believe in Jesus, then you go to eternal hellfire. Yes. Okay. Now, I guess the next question and the kind of what I'm getting at, if you even have time, if not, it's okay. Um, what if I, okay, so let's say I die a, a Hindu, okay, for example. And I'm a really good person. Like, I'm actually a better person than you, say, for example. Pretend, okay? But you're going to die a Christian. I'm going to go to eternal hell along with, you know, Mao Zedong and all the others. Are we going to get equal punishment? Me and... So, me and yeah, I, I think there... Um... I'm trying, I can't think of a place where the Bible outright says, I do believe there's, there's some things you could take that, you know, uh, there, there would be different levels of punishment. I, I'm shooting off the top of my head. Um, I don't think the Bible outright says it, but people can often allude to it. Um, I can find you a scripture, scriptural basis here in a minute if there is one, but I, yeah, I don't think it would be necessarily right to say that all hellfire torture is exactly the same. Um, but I'll find out in a second for that. But yeah, and then as far as, you know, that's where it always goes. It's like, well, you, you know, just got to believe in Jesus and, and whatever. So the Bible talks about how everyone ultimately knows there's, there's a God, like from looking around at nature and the stars and the stuff that we're not here by accident, something happened. So just like the de facto position, like the, the tabula rasa blank slate position is 
you should already be nudged toward a deist type God, like intelligent design. And the Bible talks about if we exercise faith, this faith that we have, then we'll be shown more more light or given more knowledge. So if someone doesn't just shut that down and says, no, no, all this stuff is here. I'm going to carve a rock and worship this rock. If they think, well, there could be something more. What is that? We believe, like in Christianity, we believe that that person that exercises faith in seeking their creator, um, they're eventually some way, shape or form going to be led to the Jesus of the Bible. So maybe that means, you know, Jesus shows up in a dream. They, you know, go go on a pilgrimage. They find a church and they're told about God. Maybe, you know, an airplane flying mission work drops some Bibles out of the airplane on accident and it lands in their jungle and, and it's in their language and they can read it. Um, we don't know how. It just says, and you know, if the person exercises faith, they'll be led and more and more light will be shown to them until I believe they encounter the Jesus of the Bible. And uh, that's what I think. So I think a lot of times, though, it's, um, you know, we all have our cross to bear. So some people, it may be like, well, you know, I, I really am, am designed this way. I'm made this way. So if God really loves me, then, um, you know, he'll let me into heaven and I can still do all the stuff the Bible calls a sin. Maybe that's their cross to bury uh, versus, you know, someone that doesn't know about this God. Maybe that's their challenge in this life is getting to this God. So we all have, you know, these like objectives or these these things um, that are stacked against us or that we feel is unfair. So some people will have it better. Some people have it worse. But at the end of the day, that's the answer. I believe to the person that exercises faith, then they're going to be granted more and more. And that's going to culminate in the Jesus of the Bible uh, meeting them. Okay. All right. So I guess you're, again, if I heard you right, your answer is that you're not sure as far as if there's different levels of punishment, but off the top of your head, you think there are. Let me just check real quick. Okay. I'm listening, but you can keep You're asking chat GPT. Yes, I am. Yes, you are. I caught you. <laughs> I mean, I so, I mean, I, I often champion it. I mean, as, until it starts like, you know, saying Jesus is a lie and, you know, convert to another religion, then it's a really great beast, uh, resource. By the way, let me make a free plug for it. Um, instead of using Google, like how, you know, you have to word things very specifically and usually don't get the right answers. Right now, Chat, BT, Chat GPT is a really good Christian. Um, it's it's got really good Christian theology. Um, so I, I wouldn't tell people to go there because you can just have a normal conversation. And if it gets it wrong, you don't have to reword your whole question. Like if I okay, let me just try this. Are there uh, let's see, are there different levels of punishment? And, no. Yes, and then so like. Uh, you can modify it. So then if I get it yeah. wrong and it doesn't give me what I want, I don't have to say it a different way. Um, like I just put, are there different levels of punishment in hell? So if it talks about an Islam hell, um, I'll say, no, no, I'm in Christianity. And it'll say, oh, I'm sorry, blah, blah, blah. Oh, let me just read this. I hope it's not too long. Yeah, please do. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> you should just rename the room. Chat GPT has answers. I've used it twice today. Back off, Calvinist. <laughs> Hey, do you need to go consult it, your? It's just like Google, to, but better. Yeah, while Chris says that, he's like he's jealous because he would have to pull these answers out of like you know three thousand volume dusty tomes. Okay, my Gossip books are and... not dusty. Thank you very much. Okay, I believe I have your answer, Stacey. Um, I haven't. I'm reading this for the first time. The concept of different levels of punishment in hell is a matter of theological interpretation. It is not explicitly mentioned in the Bible. See, that's what I said. 
Uh, however, some religious traditions and theologians have developed the idea that there are several different levels and degrees of punishment in hell based on the severity of one's sins. And that's One of what the I most said, beliefs. <laughs> oh, we've got a little ways to go. One of the most well-known descriptions, this gets into like Dante's Inferno and probably some non-Christian stuff, but hang on, I'm just going to read it anyways. One of the most well-known descriptions uh, of different levels of punishment in hell is from Dante's Inferno, which is a work of literature and not a religious text. Dante's depiction of hell, I don't care about this, includes nine circles, each one representing a different type of sin and corresponding punishment. The punishment in each circle becomes progressively worse as the sins become more severe. In Christian theology, however, the idea of different levels of punishment in hell is often associated with the concept of degrees of sin. Some theologians argue that there are mortal sins, eh, which uh, are the most serious and carry the harsh, harshest punishment in hell and venial sins, which are less serious and may result in less severe punishment. However, it is important to note that the Bible does not provide clear and definitive answers to the question of whether there are different levels of punishment in hell. Ultimately, the concept of different levels of punishment in hell remains a matter of theological interpretation and speculation. And then I say, what are uh, some Bible verses that would support this? And it says, and then I'll be done. Uh, there are several Bible verses that can be interpreted as supporting the idea of different levels of punishment in hell, although these verses are not always understood in the same way by different Christian traditions. Here are a few examples. Matthew 11, 10 through 24. In this passage, Jesus pronounces judgment on the cities of Capernaum, Bethsaida, and Chorazin, saying it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for these pagan cities of Tyre and Sidon than for the Jewish cities. This has been interpreted as suggesting that there will be varying degrees of punishment in hell based on one's knowledge of God and rejection of his message. Uh, Luke 12, 47 to 48. In this parable, Jesus teaches those who know their master's will and do it uh, and do not do it will receive greater punishment than those who do not know their master's will. This has been interpreted as supporting the idea that different levels of punishment in hell is based on one's knowledge and responsibility, which goes to what you were saying. Um, so yeah, I, I Chris, I'm going to take a victory lap. I said, I don't think there's anything outright that says it. And, uh, you know, atheist, good theolo theologian, uh, chat GPT confirmed. But yeah, so these are some of the um, scriptures the Bible would use, um, that people would use to say there could be different degrees. Okay. Stacy. Right. Well, thank you. That is an answer. Um, I always wonder about Christianity. It's um, an I answer. I you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Chris, what have you got, Chris? Tell us, are there different levels of punishment in hell? No. Come on, Chris. I, I just told you. No. Okay. So, Chris, what are, are you um, Christian? And if you are, what is your denomination? Maybe not today. I mean, it depends on it depends on uh, how much coffee I've had, I guess. Um, so, yeah, or how many blasphemous Muslims I'm dealing with. Um, so. Uh, I am a Christian and I go to a non-denominational church that is ostensibly reformed. Um, but we have all types of pastors. So we have pastors that went to DTS and are dispensationalists. We have non-Calvinist pastors. We have Calvinist pastors. We have all types of pastors. So, um, at our church and it's a very large church now. It didn't used to be, it was like 400 people when we joined. Um, now it's 6,000. It's weird. Wow. Yeah, that was, yeah, over 13 years. Yeah. And, and we've gained four, th uh, 3000 members in the last two years since COVID. And that's mainly because a lot of other churches in central Florida imploded 
because their pastors were fooling around or whatever else. And so we ended up getting, or they went apostate completely like first Baptist Orlando went apostate. And so like we got a ton of members from first Baptist come over and that's where my wife and I, right. Right? Yeah. No, but anyway, so that's my, that's me. I'm rambling. No, that's okay. It's interesting. I, I don't want to hoard the stage. There's a lot of people in this room, but if, if I could, I did have another question. Most of yeah, those people aren't worth talking to. You seem extremely pleasant and intelligent. Oh, thank you. I I do try. Um, did you say go for it? Ask my question. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Yes. Okay. And this this could come off as condescending, and I want to emphasize that I don't mean it that way. Okay, I'm I'm genuine here. Oh, you're good. We have thick skin. Have you looked at chat? <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> Um, okay, so I want to ask, do you believe, again, it's different Christians will tell you different things. Do you believe that Jesus is God? Yes. Okay. Yes. So my my next question, do you believe that Satan, when Jesus was on earth, knew that Jesus was God? Yes. Yes. Okay, so now that brings me to the question. The scripture, and I, I don't know it by verse, but I could easily chat gpt at nate or <laughs> i am your humble secretary I can, I can ask chat gpt on your behalf okay or chris i could dust off a book because i have some of those as well but i i'm with nate on this one um, got your number, nate. okay tackling a, chris <laughs> there is a scripture that says and i know this because i was christian for 34 years there's a scripture that says um that Jesus was offered the world by Satan if Jesus would bow down to him. So my question is, why would Satan offer Jesus the world if Satan knew that Jesus was God and the world was his? Now, let me, I have one more point to make. I use this analogy when I ask Christians because I really want this answer. I really do. My son's bedroom, it's his bedroom, right? It's his. But if you really want to get down to it, it's actually mine, right? This is my place. And that's my room. This is my room. The kitchen's my room. It's all mine, right? But I gave it to him. It's his room. So it's like the same thing. God and Christianity, if I understand Christianity correct, God told Satan, you can have reign of this world, but when I'm, when just wait until I'm through with you though. So that means that Satan is the God, lowercase g, of this world, right? So I guess long story short, I don't want to ramble. Satan knew that Jesus was God, but yet he turned around and offered him something that wasn't his. Like it's it's like as if my son were to say, mom, you can have my room. It's like, well, thanks, but it's already mine. You know, it's just why would Satan offer something that isn't his to someone he knows it actually belongs to. It's not like Satan's a small child and doesn't understand. Right. So I, I think well, I would want to correct your analogy a little bit because, you know, you trace this back to technically it's God, like with the problem of evil, like even though, you know, the devil is cause, causing evil, we believe, and like, you know, these evil demons and forces, like the peop- the things causing evil are the ones that should be blamed. But then people will say, well, technically you say the Christian God created everything in existence. So ultimately it's his fault and he's totally evil. Um, it's kind of like that, right? So like your analogy was was like, well, well, look, it's your kid's room. You gave it to your kid's room. And if we're talking like a 20-year-old was a home kid, there would be a little more ownership claim than like an eight-year-old little Timmy. Um, so uh, if we're talking about like, you know, a young adult or a teen 
who this is their room. You know, they've destroyed it. They put their stupid rap pictures on the wall or whatever, and you hate it. But it's like, okay, well, it's their room. Even though, yes, technically I own the house. If I stop paying the bills, then, uh, you know, it's going to get taken away because ultimately it's my house. But for all intents and purposes, it's their room. You don't go in there. You probably stay as far away from it as you can because it smells bad. It's it's gross. It's a teenage boy's room. So in that sense, oh, it's I their room. So I go in there daily. You best believe that boy keeps his room clean. But I oh, digress. Well, okay. So the so the analogy <laughs> goes a, even I further. I have a thirteen year old boy. I don't know. My boy's okay. gonna be so. Cool. So anyway, the analogy goes further. Um. So when it says Satan is the God of this world, we just talked about this a little bit ago. I'll reiterate quickly. But we believe God gave Adam and Eve the planet and said, be a good steward. Don't do this one thing. When they let the devil deceive them and they gave in and they sinned, they did the one thing God said don't do. The the earth, like some for some reason, Satan influences great um, power and influence on this earth. Um, while God is ultimately in control, because we know the ending from the beginning, like the revelation, like has this all laid out, like what's going to happen. Um so predicting the Messiah, Jesus, his death, his resurrection, like all of it. So the Bible already tells us before any of this actually uh, you know, plays out. So um, we know what's going to happen. So while everything is technically God's, he is in control. He's letting you know Satan, being a little teenage adolescent, like stink up the room. He's just like, exactly. all right, man. And, right. So um, that's what I would say. So have you ever seen – and we, we should get this concept fairly easily because whenever you see like a movie – and there's like, you know, the hero or something like that. And it's like, you, you know, whoever like absolutely has a claim for something like they're going to win the bad guy who's like the challenger, you know, there's not a possible way they're going to win yet. Still, they give them the run for their money. They really try. They try to like trick them. They try to deceive them. They're like, look, and well, you know, this is you know, logical, right. And I, I well, don't again, I don't mean this. I don't mean this to be to sound rude, but oh, OK, well. I'm very yeah, frank, I, and when you say okay. that, that, that well, can I finish my thought? Can I, yeah, let me be equally as frank. Skip all that. Satan was making a pathetic attempt with the only tools he had. He knows he's doomed to be chained in the lake of fire forever, and he's playing the cards he's dealt. So if Jesus has the ace of spades, he's got a royal flush or whatever, and Satan's got you know two of a kind. That's all the cards he's going to play. So that's what he's playing. That's what I believe. It's a feeble attempt to use the playing cards he has, which is nothing. So he's like, well, instead of just being like, send me to hell, he's like, I'm going to play what I've got and I guess go to hell anyways. That's what I believe. Okay. And, and that's, you know, that's, that's why I asked because each Christian's going to give me a different answer respectfully. And to me, again, if I could be frank, I feel like that's, you know, I just illogical. And I, that's, I don't mean that insultingly. I just mean that I just really feel that that's illogical because if you think about it, imagine you know, Satan going to God up in heaven and being like, Hey, I'm going to give you earth. If you bow down to me, God be like, what are you talking about? Give me earth. Earth is mine. It literally is that illogical to believe. I mean, this is, this is one of the reasons why I'm not Christian anymore is that? because of, huh? Because of that? No. Well, this is one of the reasons, um, just the, 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 the fact that the answers to me are just illogical. You have to just believe that Satan was like, uh, I'll just give it a shot. Well, no, you don't. That doesn't make any <laughs> Stacey, sense. There, there's another element here, which is that Christ humbled himself and took on a fully human nature and all that came with, right? So Christ was tempted by all sorts of things that uh, that humans would have been tempted by. So for all we know, and again, this is so 
difficult to get into because we neither fully know the mind of God nor of Satan, right? But what we can guess if we put ourselves in either of those shoes is that Satan had access to God via his time on earth. So why is it so illogical or insane to think that Satan saw a wonderful opportunity and thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to appeal to his human nature because he can be tempted. I, I don't I don't see as enormous a problem with it as you do. Yeah, well, Stacey, can I, can I mean, everybody's got different viewpoints and different paradigms and different beliefs, but I believe I, it is illogical because if I could finish, I believe it is illogical because you, you guys, I mean, Christians, not any one in, in general, but Christians say that Jesus is fully God and fully man, not, not, um, taking turns being God and man, but both right. God so and man. And not, um, if I could so, finish. Well, yeah, finish. I, I actually would let her finish. Okay. Yeah. I got to run. Go ahead. Okay. If God, if, if Jesus is fully God and fully man, does he take turns? Like right now he's God, one, 1,000, two, 1,000, three, 1,000. Now he's man. Or is it no, he's man and God both at the same time? Right. So the problem that you're running into is actually not. A, so here's what I'm trying to identify with you. And I'm not trying Maybe, to refute you. you. An what? Well, I was asking, is he God at the same time? I, I heard as your question, Stacey. So what I'm trying to identify with you, because you've made a pretty important claim, you have said that this is one of the major reasons you left Christianity. And then Nate said to you, this is the major reason? Because what everybody has identified is that you were given a couple of answers that could be possible for this, but you're still coming back to this problem. So what you have that you need to wrestle with is not a question about what Satan's mind was doing while he was tempting Christ. The question that you have is how does the Trinity work and how does God's nature work, which is a much larger question. So I hope that when you're continuing to wrestle with Christianity, you correctly identify the issue that you actually have. And well, what I hear you, well, hold on, stay safe. Hold on. All yeah, right. I know it doesn't feel good to get interrupted. Well, no, you're equal. Like, go ahead, Steph, finish. Yeah. And then I'd really like to say something as you know, like the mod. But go ahead and finish, Steph. So no, it's like, cool. I've, I've, I lost my train of thought. She can. Well, I'd like to say something, Stacy. <laughs> I've well, been can waiting. Can you answer my okay, question well, about the God? Is is he fully God and fully man at the same time? Right. So or you're does completely he dusting over what I said, which is your your question is actually ends up being about the Trinity. I mean, do you right. understand that that's I, where you? I okay. did answer that. Yes, Stacy. Yes, yes. Okay, Stacy. So it, it does not feel good to be interrupted, especially when you're a mod and you're trying to give grace, but you're not getting any back. So let me speak to a few things, and then I am going to have to run. I'll give you a follow up if you'd like. But um, basically, you you've said illogical about 11 times. So it's, it's not illogical. I mean, we could say that Satan could not be very logical in his thinking, which you could say from, you know, from the beginning, like, you know, he was kicked out of heaven because he was created like right up there in like the top echelon of all created beings, like just right next to God, like being like the only thing that was not created. Satan, as far as being created, was right up there, just like very brushing elbows with God. Um, however, he still thought it was a good idea to rebel. So, I mean, you can say uh, I, I just think you're misusing illogical. Um, this is only one point. Please don't interrupt me. I promise I'll try to be quick. Um, so that was not a logical move to think you can contend with the, the creator of the universe, including yourself, and rebel on heaven. So that would be the first illogical thing he's done. So then, so this guy doesn't have a great track record for reasoning. You would not want to do that. So by the time we get around to the Bible and Jesus uh, being tempted by Satan, uh, first of all, this goes straight in line with the Bible. So you can't say it's illogical. I'm, I mean, on, on its face, I'm not trying to like, you know, push back just for the heck of it. I'm saying as far as terms of what what the definition of logic is, it's it's a bad move. 
but I mean, you know, if you have like one card to play that you're, you're totally know is worthless um, versus just giving up and going home. I mean, either one of those is logical. I mean, it's not going to do any good. You're going to end up with the same result, but he already has bad judgment um, by trying to overthrow God in the first place. And then secondly, this could just all be done. I mean, ultimately everything is done for the glory of God. So this could be done. So later when the Bible, you know, when people complain and say, well, you know, now if we have a Messiah and if Jesus is the Messiah, he's God in the flesh, he's Emmanuel, he's God with us. He, he doesn't know what it's like, you know, he's God. He can go through this life and be sinless. So he doesn't understand our plight, blah, blah, blah. But the Bible says, look, Jesus was in every way tempted just like we are and understands our temptations, yet through all of this, he didn't sin. So I believe that, you know, like Seth was saying, Satan could be appealing to his human nature, thinking for some reason, not exercising great judgment, already knowing he's doomed, that maybe I can tempt human Jesus. Well, yes, your, your question was fully God, fully man. So while he's in this, maybe he thought vulnerable, vulnerable state, like Philippians 2, 6, I believe, says Jesus being equal with God in every way didn't take advantage of the equality. Instead, he lowered himself to the form of the servant. So um, I, I would just give you this information uh, to know that all these things I'm pulling from different parts of the Bible, I, I think you'd see a lot more logic in it if you, you know, did what was logical. And I'm sure I, I don't want to insult you, but you know, if you haven't read the Bible or if it's been a long time, if you read it all the way to the end, you see all these pieces kind of click together and it's like, Oh, okay, I get this. So whether it's just so God can be glorified so people can have, I don't know, a life lesson to learn. The Bible says Jesus was tempted. If, if Jesus wasn't tempted, then the Bible wouldn't say that. And that would give people, you know, I guess, reason to complain and be like, God doesn't get me how unfair. And then would be having a new conversation. Uh, go ahead and respond if you want, Stacey. I said a lot. Thanks for your patience. No, that's okay. And I appreciate your answer because I go into Christian rooms and I ask these questions and oftentimes people people start arguing with me, but not only did you not argue, you gave me an answer that actually I can understand. I personally respectfully don't believe it, but I understand it and it makes, it makes sense. So yeah, you answered my question. Um, Again, I don't want to hog the stage, but if nobody's, <laughs> I, I mean, I got, I got questions for days, but I'll, <laughs> well, I, I'll, let, let's do, let's do one more. And then I really am going to have to go. And Chris will take this since he's tried That's to okay. No, I don't, like I said, there's how many people in this room? I don't want to be the only one asking questions. Well, you're the well, only you're one that wants to be on stage. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Stacey. <laughs> you're, you're asking good questions. So, I mean, like, yeah, let's take these, we'll take these kind of questions all day, every day, but like. So, Stacy, the other thing, too, is that the nuance of this is why is it recorded by the author, in this case, Matthew, talking about, or I'm sorry, Luke, talking I'm about. I'm sorry, you're really, your volume's really low, and I can't quite hear you. Sorry, hold on one second. I had to turn off Mr. Carr. How about that? Oh, that's is that much better? better. You stopped okay, your car cool. to answer? Wow, you're doing God's work. I, well, I, I got to where I'm going. <laughs> I got to where I'm going. So, at any rate, I got first world problems. I've got. BMW mic problems I got to fix. Anyway, so um, when we're talking about the context of why the author included the temptation of Jesus in his narrative, just from a completely human looking at literature, literary perspective, why do you think that Luke included the temptation of Jesus in his narrative? I don't even know that Luke did that. I don't even know that Luke wrote the Okay, well, let, let's just, just for argument's sake, I mean, we can get into the authorship of Luke and yada, 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 but that's a totally different question. Let's just say that for argument's sake, let's say Luke wrote it, you know, that this is a, this is a fairly early book, say, you know, 55 AD. Why do you think that the author included 
the temptation of Jesus in his narrative? I don't know. I don't. Okay. Well, like, let's try to think about it. Let's let's come up with some some scenarios. Well, it's kind of um, hypothetical in my view because, and I know you said let's pretend that we believe it's Luke, but I, I don't. But we can pretend. Um, and go ahead. You can tell me why you believe he was. Oh, no, I think the question he was asking is, why would Luke inc include the story? Oh, that, I'm sorry. Yes, no. Yeah. I, I, why would he include the story? Maybe to show that even Jesus um, has has weakness. I, I really don't. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, just literarily. I don't know. You know, there could be. Yours, buddy, you're choppy. I'm in a bad place. And life, I understand. I'm here for you both. No, I know. Like this. Anyway, I'm trying to pay a doctor's bill for my father in law. All right. So, am, am I good now? Can I talk yeah. now or still yeah, talking? Yes, okay. okay. So, when we talk about literarily why authors make choices, there, there are generally reasons for both the author's intention and the audience's benefit, right? So the author is trying to get across a point. In this particular narrative, the point the author is trying to get across is Jesus's fully human nature, okay? And what he's doing is showing that Jesus had the maximum amount of temptation that any human being can withstand, right? So he's in the desert for 40 days without food, um, showing that basically he can reach the level, the, 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 the limits of human endurance that, you know, that the God man can, can endure and yet still remain, uh, holy. Okay. This is, this is the author's intention. Okay. So when we talk about the temptation of Jesus, it's not that Satan is offering, and Mark made a good point that Satan is self-deceived, but it's not that Satan is offering Jesus something that Jesus doesn't already have. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is to show that Jesus endured the maximum amount of temptation that any human being could possibly endure. That is the point the author is trying to make with the story. So we always have to back up and say, why is this narrative written here? Why? What is the point? What is it that we're trying to glean from this? It's not just written in a vacuum, right? And so that's that's the kind of the whole deal with the temptation of Jesus, right? Is to show his fully human nature. Now, in terms of the logical problem with the incarnation, that's a very, very long discussion. And there was a very bad debate between John Lee and Tom Rabbit on this. And Tom Rabbit completely annihilated John Lee um, because John didn't study. And there's also been, uh, you know, about 1500 years of theology written about this particular point. And so we can get into the, into the, you know, the, the different scenarios as to is the incarnation logical, but that's a bit much for this stage. Yeah, that's definitely something that I would like to get into at some point. Um, but if it's a bit much, we don't have to go into I mean, it would, it, would be a, it would be a couple of hour discussion, to be sure. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, let's avoid that. 
I would like to or clear up a quick discrepancy if that's okay. Um, sure. There's, there's some confusion about, I don't want to make it about me, so I'm going to make this really quick, but there's some confusion in the comments about my um, religious background. And I was raised Christian. My dad was Protestant, but my family was not active. My mother's side was Jehovah's Witness. So I have a Jehovah's Witness understanding of the Bible. And then I grew up and started going to different churches and studying different churches. So I always considered myself Christian. I just didn't know what denomination. And I didn't know everything about the Bible because I never had anybody to teach me. I kind of just had to learn on my own and go to different churches on my own and hear different different answers from different churches. So so yeah, that that's the confusion um, to answer the people's questions in the comments as to Stacy was never a Christian. Why doesn't she know the Bible? Um, hopefully that clears that up. If not, I, I, I don't care. That's all I'm going to say on it. But if I could ask my last question, if, if you don't. Sure, please. Okay. Um, so G they say that or they <laughs> Christians, Christians say that Jesus came to, um, to, um, what is the word I'm looking for? He, he died for our sins, right? Yes. I mean, that's okay. So my thing is that I've always wondered because the before Jesus came, there was a remedy for our sins, right? People were sacrificing animals, and that was how they repented, and that was Moses's law that was given by God. So it was, you know, so why did Jesus come? It's kind of like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like why did Jesus come if we are already if we already had a way? It was like it it was almost like yeah, let's do this to make it easier. But it wasn't like, let's do this because it's the only way, because it wasn't the only way. There was another way that was, that was, do you get what I'm saying? I'm going to stop. I, I do get what you're saying. I'd say the the Bible is your answer. So, you know, Paul talks about this. He talks about the, the law of, <laughs> as if it shows where he's coming from. So he says the law is good. Like the, let me back up a little bit. First of all, the, these were the law of, of Moses, 613 commandments of the Levitical law. So if, if you're not an observant Jew, if you're not an Israelite, these were never your laws. So you have faith in God, assuming you 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 figure out some way who this God is, like Abraham did in the beginning. You know, you figure out God and you have faith in God. Secondly, um, faith in God alone is what gets everyone saved, as I'm sure Chris will tell you in a minute. But I agree with that it's faith in God. So it's not just following these religious practices in the law of Moses that saved them and the sacrifice and all this. It's because they believed God. So they had faith in God that God is who, you know, is this instruction giver, this law giver. So if they wouldn't have believed God, if they would have thought, well, God doesn't exist, or I don't believe God, I don't have faith in God, they wouldn't have followed the law. And that would have demonstrated they don't have faith. But by following the law, that demonstrates they at least have faith in God. That's why they're carrying these things out. However, Paul talks about this law is, is the law of sin and death. It doesn't have the power to save. It only has the power to condemn. So we believe for a time and it wasn't like God got a plan B, because, again, we're told in Revelation, like from the very beginning of time, that Jesus was always going to be the lamb that was slain. That's that's what it says. It says Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So that means God always knew this is the plan, but it's ultimately going to culminate in the sacrifice of Jesus. That has always been the plan. So whenever they're doing these sacrifices, they're doing the law of Moses, It, I believe. It's to show them that there there is a coming Messiah. You're not always going to be able to do this. And look, you think you can follow the law so well. 
yet you're having to sacrifice every time you like turn around because of something you did wrong because this law is impossible to keep. You cannot keep it. So we believe this is like, you know, you can um, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink kind of thing. Or, you know, sometimes like just let the kid burn their hand on the hot stove. We believe because of the hardness of people's heart, which there's many references for in the Bible, that um, Chris said earlier, like what's the authorship? What's the reason? Why could God be doing this? It could be either for lessons learned now that we're talking about thousands of years later, or it could be for then for the first people that believe Jesus was Messiah, the Jewish converts who sacrificed under the law, but then they recognized Jesus was the sacrifice. Now, guys, look, we've been sacrificing goats and doves and cows and all this other stuff because we can't keep the law. Think of how many little baby animals died. But now Jesus, here's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. We don't have to sacrifice anymore. He is our sacrifice one time for all. So again, the Bible, the Bible tells us a great narrative as to this is what this is what happened, this is how it's going to happen, this is how it's going to be done. The thing the Bible is lacking on, and I think intentionally so, is explaining the mind of an all-powerful creator to us uh, so we can examine and scrutinize. So we're left a lot with interpretations and opinions, but they don't change the matter-of-fact statements like, do this, do this, this is going to happen, this is because God says so. So that's what these people had, that's why they did it. So I believe my opinion is that it was to show people how sinful they are, how they cannot keep the law, how they're going to slaughter everything under the sun because people cannot uh, cannot do what's right ultimately. Um, so that's when Jesus shows up. He's the only one, we believe, being fully divine and fully human, who never sinned, who kept the law perfectly. And that's what made him the one sacrifice uh, for the forgiveness of everyone. And it's the same mechanism. It's by faith. So if we believe that, if we believe God, then that's how we are saved. I know that was exhaustive, but I hope that was comprehensive and thorough. Exhaustive, but an answer nonetheless. So I appreciate it. I don't know if I should hang my head in shame or, you know what, I'm going to hear that as, that was an answer. <laughs> I may not be convinced, but I'm going to give you a no, B minus. No, no. I'm actually, I'm I'm not convinced with Christianity, but it, I understand what you believe. I just personally don't believe it. Um, but no, you did a fine job explaining your well, and, and I mean, I just want to make the point that, you know, the Bible is, I believe, here's an opinion, the Bible is, is not difficult, and it's hard to mess up if you just read it prima facie. The part, I think the part that gets a lot of people tripped up is there's there are definitely some parts that people interpret, like different verses here and there, and you'll get denominations and traditions and doctrines that arise from them. So I'm not saying it doesn't exist, but I think people think that happens way more than it actually does. Like what we just talked about now, people could take what I said and, you know, compare that with 20 other Christians and be like, see, you guys have no idea what you believe. But right now we're, we're like giving our opinions based on matter of fact statements in the Bible, which is like the how, the why, the mind of God. So I, I just would want to make a point that, you know, if you say, hey, what does the Bible say about this? Oh, here's a chapter and verse. Here's what it says. But if you say, well, you know, why this? Why this? Um, you're going to get a lot of opinions and it doesn't mean the Bible can't, you know, can't lay this out or it's so feeble that it needs interpretation. I would just keep in mind that when you ask about the why, the Bible is largely silent on the why. It just says how, matter of fact, this, 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 it is finished. Um, so can you imagine people on the cross, like when, when Jesus says it is finished and, you know, the temple splits in two and all the stuff in the darkness. If they're like, wait, Jesus, how is it finished? Why? But why? But why? Be like, oh my gosh. Like, really? Like, just chill. It's done. Be happy. Anyways, that's the picture that comes to my mind. So, so Nate, like, 
Can I ask Stacy a question? Stacy, is it okay if I ask you a question? Nate, is it okay if I ask Stacy a question? Of course. Sure. I, on behalf of Stacy, I will say go ahead, I guess. <laughs> Why, thank you, Nate. You ready with your <laughs> chat GPT? What I meant was. <laughs> Is it okay for the room? Because I know you got to go. And is it okay, Stacey? I was asking both of you anyway. Yeah, Stacey yes, Chris, fits speak real well around here. So, um, so Stacy, wow, this guy almost cut me off. Um, could you could you tell us a version, just real quick, like sixty thousand foot overview? What is the Christian gospel as you understand it? Yeah. Um... From what I understand, the Christian gospel is based around Jesus and his sacrifice and um, the fact that that we can be saved if we believe in Jesus and that there's eternal hell or there's paradise. And that's our that's our what we have coming to us. And we can choose to believe in Jesus or not. And that's I mean, there's a lot more to it, obviously, but you asked for an overview. Um, that's kind of the, the idea that I have of Christianity. Uh, do you have a follow-up there, Friar Chris? I think he's driving, because I heard him say someone cut him off. Maybe he's busy. Yeah, don't, don't text and drive. Um, we'll check back with you in a minute. I imagine he was asking that. Oh, here he is. No, I'm good. Uh, no, I said, fair enough. Yeah, I, I imagine he was asking that because sometimes, you know, we'll talk about, you know, people that used to say they used to be Christians and all this. And then we'll talk like three hours and we're like, well, hang on. Can, can you tell us like, you know, not not trying to be able to judge you just to kind of get us on the right page, which you did fine. Um, you know, like what what is the gospel? And they're like, uh, well, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. What? what? No, not not what are the gospels. What's the, the actual gospel, like the message of Christ? And they'll say something like, well, you know, don't don't do bad stuff. Be a good person. Right. Right. And we're like, oh, my gosh. Um, anyway, so that, that's, I think that's kind of where he was going to make sure we're on the same page. And yeah, I mean, I think you, you know, that's fine. Not not trying to be judgy, but to like get on the same page. Like, yeah, yes, generally speaking, Jesus died for died for the sins of all who would believe. So if you're one of the people who believe, congratulations. He says, repent and believe the gospel. So, you know, we have a really, a really good sized New Testament, um, which which if, if you only took the, the things that the New Testament said over and over and over, and you only made it say them one time instead of over and over and over. How, I, I Maybe I can ask chat GPT, like how big would the New Testament be? Like half the size, because so much of the gospel is, is so simple. It's like repent and believe. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And uh, yeah, you know, there's only a handful. Yeah. And then it just says it over and over and over and over. Um, so, so yes, it's in a nutshell, that's it. You could, you could write the whole gospel on a post-it note. Yeah. And there's actually a chapter that and it's, I, I believe I could be mistaken, but I believe it's first Kings and first Samuel. There's actually a chapter that's copied and pasted word for word verbatim. Um, are you aware of that? Uh, say that again. There's a chapter. Well, I guess it would make it two chapters in the Bible. And like I said, I believe it's in first Kings and first Samuel. Um, and I could be completely off, but I'm pretty sure that's the books where the chapter is literally copied and pasted. I mean, it's it's exactly word for word. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, I guess, first of all, I wouldn't have a problem either way. But um, when you say copy and paste, it's hilarious thinking that they would take like, you know, back in the day, like animal hides and like yeah. do a carbon copy. 
Yeah, they just <laughs> but, laid it out in the sun for it to get, you know, the ink to get wet and then copied and pasted. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> so um, I, I would say, you know, not to take away from your point, but yeah, I mean, if someone wants to, you know, wants to copy from, you know, a historical account, like, you know, the first and second Kings, um, I mean, it's got nothing to do with the gospel. But I mean, maybe if there's like, like a, yeah, go ahead. But my point is, though, I mean, the Bible says all scripture is inspired of God. So God inspired two two guys at two different times to write the exact same words or one guy plagiarized. Well, or oh, that's how you see that. Yeah. I mean, words, Obviously, those are just... the only two answers because all scripture is inspired of God. So then it was inspired by God or he plagiarized unless you have a third option, which I'm I do. Well, yeah, let me yeah. get that real quick because I'm just it's it's so obvious, I believe, humbly. So if if the person writing, you know, the thing that was uh, OK, so the work's already done in like first Kings or whatever. Kings is before Samuel. Anyways, whichever one came first, if the person is then for a different reason, like telling in Samuel and they're like, OK, I, I need to tell this. This needs to be, you know, God is inspiring me to to write this in Samuel. Um, but to write what I need to write, I really need to recap this earlier thing. So I'm going to, you know, rewrite this. Uh, because this is this, even though it was used in like Kings for one story and one direction, I now need that very same piece because this is where the branch of the story goes talking about, you know, Samuel or Nathan, the prophet or anything like that. So that's just a glaring third option. It's not like, you know, some nefarious thing that we talked that about was earlier. The first it's like, option. That was the first option that God inspired him to write. Well, right. But the motivation then. Like at the risk of you saying, you know, it's illogical, I would say, you know, God inspired, but but what could some of the motivation? Here's my opinion again, but it's what I said. So it's not just for the heck of it. It's not for plagiarism's sake. It's because if the first Kings is telling one direction of the story, and then in Samuel, they want to use that same that same foundation to go a different direction and talk about prophets instead of kings, then that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Chris. I cut you off, Chris. Well, just like the I'm trying to find, I'm trying to find the objection. I've never actually heard this objection before. Um, I'm having trouble finding it, Stacy. So maybe if you can find a source for that, that would be helpful, so that I can look uh, at it. Did you um, have the exact references, Stacy? Like, no, I I don't, and I could find it for you, but you'd have to give me a little time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying produce it right now. You know, yeah. like, <laughs> get to the chopper. No, but like. Um, you know, maybe just back channel it to me. Just go ahead and follow me so that, you know, you can see my, my back channels. Um, and then I'll send you lots of stuff about Bitcoin later. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I'm just, I'm not finding that objection, but, um, and then, oh, and by the way, I wanted to mention serendipity's here and she is Steph 2.0. Steph, you have been replaced. Oh, you found no. this new yeah. enemies for me. <laughs> Well, I was going to be we, nice. I was going to say, Steph, in a very Christian type of way, uh, we think serendipity is your Christian spirit animal. Yeah. We found ourselves another very nice Arminian lady that is, like, also a conservative and, like, a pioneer lady. So, like, yeah. We got Steph 2.0. <laughs> I found her last night. Wait, Wait and I found... Those are big shoes to fill, Steph. <laughs> I actually had to jump in. I actually had to jump in here for a second because I'm feeling exactly the same way. I'm feeling like Stacy is going to take my resident atheist card, but I've been. I'm uh, not actually, an atheist. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, Stacy, no. you're not an atheist? No, of course. What not. is your position? I'm Muslim. Oh, oh wow. Michael is our resident. Okay, what? well, you could be our resident Muslim, and Michael is our resident atheist. And Wait a minute. Are you fun are... us right I now? Or are you really so Muslim? Many questions. I'm really Muslim. 
I'm just going to leave my phone here and go away with my family. I'm dead. I don't even know what to say. This is crazy. Okay. Wow. I I totally thought you were an agnostic or something. That's okay. And I'm here talking to you guys because you guys are being respectful. And I go into some, some Christian rooms and the moment I say I'm Muslim, they attack me. So I hope we can um, coexist in this room respectfully. Like the coexist bumpers. Uh, Right? I know. Like the coexist bumper sticker. And by the way, why is there not an atheist? Why is there not an atheist part of the coexist bumper sticker, Michael? You need to fix that. Seriously. Well, no, the white space around it. I will, I will tell you exactly why. This Only is all your fault. atheists would have that yeah. Because from my perspective, and, and this, this, this might be the, the least charitable thing I've ever said in this space. Um, I'm not interested in coexisting with people who, for the most part, want to infringe on my, in a, like, my ability to just live and let live. Okay? I don't knock on anybody's door. And Stacy will identify with this as a former Jehovah's Witness. I don't knock on anybody's door trying to tell them what the truth is. I don't try to use my political influence to try to infringe on anybody else's ability. I think if you want to use your, you know, use your religion to do whatever it is you want to do, that's totally fine. But, but I can't coexist. And, and I have to say present company excluded. Because I, I could coexist, I think, with everybody here, except maybe Chris. I don't really like him all that much. I just pretend. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. But <laughs> I get it. I, I, th- I think for the most part, you know, there's there's this in, infringement, right? Like, for example, and you know, this will be uh, this will be a, a grenade made. So I apologize. Um, you know, if if one person decides that they want to exercise their bodily autonomy when it comes to uh, pregnancy. Um, that's totally fine, right? It has no impact on anyone else's ability to live their life as they choose to, right? So what I've said many times is if you don't want to have an abortion, you totally shouldn't have one, but you shouldn't use your beliefs to try to stop someone else from exercising their rights. And so that's why, that's why I think coexisting is really, really difficult. But I will once again say present company excluded because I've found with almost without exception, the people in this space are people that I actually could coexist with. Good well, morning, Michael, everybody. I, was, I would say, yeah, good morning. I wish you would have been here earlier. My my time is not. You know, Chris, would you want to? I don't know. Do you or Steph or someone want to want to hang out and keep this thing going if, if I have to leave, or should we just end it and call this good and start back up tomorrow? I'm driving. I can't mind. No, but I want I want Steph to interact with with serendipity a little bit because I think it's super fun. Okay. Well, real quick, I would say, Michael, I think your um your coexist part, you could be the peace sticker. You could be the peace emblem. Um, perhaps. And uh, then I, I do like the, I appreciate the touchy feely coexist, but it's come, it's from a place of complete naivety. The mo- the best we can hope for is this conversation right now, right? Christian atheist and Muslim all walk into a clubhouse room <laughs> and we all get along, uh, no punchline. So, I mean, the civil disagreement, right? Because, you know, inherently, uh, Mus- you know, Islam teaches something completely blasphemous and contradictory to Christianity. Christianity does the same to Islam. And then, if, you know, in Judaism, for the heck of it, if, if there was uh, someone who was an observant Jew here, all three Abrahamic religions are in severe contradiction with each other. And while there is overlap, overlap in a Venn diagram, like there's a lot of stuff we can agree with about some moral principles, some financial stuff, maybe um, th- there are some stuff we can all agree on. 
and that's often what people point to. Unfortunately, the the main ultimate point uh, centers around Jesus, and that's something that no one can rightly uh, hold to their faith and give ground on. So, you know, as far as Islam, prophet only. As far as you know, Judaism, uh, heretic apparently burning in poop. Um, and as far as Christianity, not just a prophet, but also priest and king. So that central figure is the reason why we can't rightly have like Chrislam or something like that, even though people are trying to their detriment. Um, so the best we can hope for is this conversation and just like, you know, hey, we're nice people. We can get along. We can coexist in that sense. Uh, but as far as, you know, our faith, uh, we, we have to just civilly disagree. And as long as, you know, we don't watch a third holy war or something, then, um, you know, I'm, I'm good with that. I'm like, hey, I'll believe what I believe. You believe what you believe. If yeah. one of us makes an argument that's so compelling that we cannot help it, then I guess someone will be welcomed across the aisle. But, um, <laughs> yeah, Steph, uh, serendipity. <laughs> did, did you need a minute? <laughs> <laughs> Neither one of them knows what to say. I'll keep talking. So I I do lovingly like the um like the uh, coexist how it's been reworked and to make all the stuff backwards and upside down to where it spells idiots. Um, <laughs> it just makes me chuckle. I'm about to post it if I can figure out how to download it. If someone will take over for me, Steph, serendipity, say something. I'll put it as my PTR if I figure this out. Well, if nobody has, oh, sorry, serendipity. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say if if nobody had anything to say, you know me, I have another question, but. Please, I'm not hogging the stage if somebody else has something. Well, let's give them one more chance. Steph, serendipity? Or Steph was driving. Maybe she's uh, in road rage. Ooh, Steph and I, I will say, yeah, I will say that I love how, I love one of the things that uh, that uh, Stacy said. Um, and that is that, you know, there's a, uh, because it's just, this happens a lot. Like there are lots of times where people will say, I can't tell you how many times I've heard, you know, why is it you earn a Christian anymore? You know, what is it that, that changed your mind? And and I've I have mirrored what Stacy said so many times. It's not one thing, right? It's a cumulative case, right? It's a whole bunch of things that you could no longer reconcile. For me, that I could no longer reconcile with reality, and that's why my my mind changed, my opinion changed. And I, it happens a lot when when you know when people of different faith traditions you know say because I've been confronted by Christians and Muslims alike and other faith traditions as well. You know, you know, give me the one thing, give me the one thing. It's like, I can't give you the one thing. And when forced to, I've, I've said in this space, well, the Bible, right? Take it, you know, the, the Bible, whole cloth. If you, if you want one thing, it's that. But I really appreciated what, what Stacy said, because it's not just one thing, right? And like, like when, when Stacey was saying before, you know, about the one thing, and Nate was like, that's what convinced you. And Stacy rightly answered, like, no. Not just that one thing, this plus this plus this, and probably a dozen or more, probably two dozen or three dozen things that if she's placed it all together, made it no longer reconcilable with what she experiences reality. But then well, she then by that logic, the you Quran, should... like that, it doesn't. So you should be a Muslim, Michael. Oh, yeah, no. by that logic, oh, you no. should check out Stacy because she found no, Islam. He's, so... he's yeah. just talking about Christianity because that's I, what I understand. Have. But I have, I actually have studied with, with Muslims. I've, I had a, a dear friend uh, who, who's, who is a Muslim, and I shouldn't say had a dear friend, he's, he's still a dear friend of mine who's a Muslim. I've been to his mosque, I've spoken to his imam. And if, you know, it's like, it is equally irreconcilable for me. So I, I do look at other faith traditions. Absolutely. Uh, Steph, you were speaking. Did you want to say something to your spirit animal? 
I keep losing service. I was actually talking before, and then I don't think anybody. Yeah, I didn't hear you. Oh. No, I didn't well, go hear ahead. anything. I said, hi, everybody. Feels like it's an awkward blind date, but it's cool. Right? <laughs> so you're, are you, you're Arminian? You're one of the few of us on the app here? I am. I am indeed. Uh, nice. Welcome to the club of being correct. The minority is not, you know, right. not an indicator <laughs> that we're wrong. <laughs> Actually, you know, reformed are only 6% of all of Christendom, but that's cool. We could... <laughs> Six, the number of man. Correct. Six, six, six. Chris, the number of. Sorry. No, I Chris, love not when the Antichrist. Chris uh, has bad service in his car and he can't rebut. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's not the case any longer. Or are you? Oh. What are you? Seven percent now? I mean, are you in, are you including all of the pagans that they include in that number? Because you probably are. We don't got to dig too far into it, man. <laughs> I love I love how how spicy Steph is this morning. This is great. I know. Well, you start spicy. you start threatening to replace Steph with with serendipity, and she gets feisty. Sarah, man, she will not be replaced. Sarah, here's the thing: <laughs> if you can handle these men, Serendip- then have at it. You you good luck with them. Uh, I wish you the best, and you may fill my shoes any day that you'd like. I could really use a vacation. I don't know that I want to fill these shoes. You know, I already deal with a couple of groovy men. There's a, there's a reason why uh, men in my other Christian circles call me crispy dispity. <laughs> no one broods like Chris. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Sarah wants to uh, take the usurping trophy, the what do you call it? The baton. The baton of usurping. She is welcome to have it. I would never. I'll just bask in your limelight. Okay. <laughs> trying to get rid of the limelight. Maybe, maybe support when necessary. <laughs> trying to hand it off. You're not helping. I know. <laughs> Wait, it's it's not possible. Steph cannot be replaced. This is this is silly. <laughs> I like the idea of having more minions floating around, though. Not gonna lie, this is good. This is. Good. It is very good. <laughs> you got to have somebody supporting that libertarian free will idea. Yeah, well, we'll get to that. Uh, it's called most of us, but that's cool, right? And um, in the interest of full disclosure, I am a, uh, I, I do believe in two points of Calvinism. Uh, uh, what? What are they? Get out. The same I, two that you believe in, Steph. I believe in total depravity, and I do not believe your salvation can be lost. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, yuck. All right. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. No, I, uh... That's the I same two do. you believe in, Steph. No, I do believe that salvation can be lost. What? You knew that, Chris. Since when? You, no, I didn't know that. No, I have never vehemently not OSAS. A broken Calvinist can be right twice a day. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, no, no, total depravity is cool. I guess I'm a one-point Calvinist, although it kind of hurts to say out loud. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Just wait till I get you to the next point. And I do serendipity and full disclosure. I do attend a, re- a reformed church, although that calls me causes me physical pain. Just hilarious. Well. What me. are we gonna do? Well, there are. And the any, best part was when she had to admit it to me openly. Did, yeah. It was fan. It was it was like the best day of my year. My pastor is currently at Reformed Theological Seminary, and although the other. <laughs> Last week, I asked him, hey, what are your thoughts on Evanescent Grace? And he was like, on what? And I was like, oh, good. You're not too indoctrinated. That's a good
you know, I would like to direct everyone to my PCR. This is what I was talking about earlier. I found it. I don't mean it to be malicious, but it makes me chuckle hilariously inside. They cheated a little bit. They cheated with the the circle around the star of David. But we'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you have the symbol of Satan memorized so well that you just know that took over for the star of David. The other one was like a pentagram, right? No, they put Satanism. a circle around the star of David to make it an O. Right, right. But yeah. originally, like in the original one, it's supposed to be, there's a Star of David, but there's also the pentagram and they just combine. Oh, them, right? I see. Okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. And I'd like to direct everyone to my PTR as well. Oh no. <laughs> listen, I'm driving. I can't pull up my Kelvinist PTR. Uh, listen, serendipity. I have one of Bob from VeggieTales saying, God has made you a vessel of destruction and he hates you very much. Like I have so many good ones. <laughs> Let's see, this is the Calvinism one with uh, Calvin, peace people on him. This says, uh, when thinking you're better than everyone else um, just isn't enough. <laughs> oh, this is great. Wait, what does yeah. the rest of it say? Oh, that's the whole Roy, thing. That, that's it, it's the meme. Yeah. Roy, what's up, man? Come join yeah. us. Everyone's having a good, lighthearted conversation. Let's keep this yeah. going. And then I really do have to go if no one's going to take over. What, uh, what denomination are you in, if I can ask? Um. Well, I... I was raised in the Baptist church, so I do attend a Baptist church. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. I went ping pong between Baptist and Free Methodist, so there we okay. go. Yep. Ooh, hey, Serendipity, do you like uh, Vody Bauckham? Who? <laughs> uh, it's like what? you might as well have just stuck a knife through my heart. I didn't know who that was before you either, Chris. I did not know. <laughs> So I'm I'm 50. So the rest of you are children, but um, well, except Michael. Hold Michael's your tongue. Married. Hold your tongue, Junior. No. Exactly. You're, uh, you're barely <laughs> you're barely an older brother. <laughs> barely. Fair, but uh, Vody Bauckham, in my opinion, is the greatest preacher of Generation X. So um, you can just uh, his name. You just spell it V O D D I E B A U C H A M. And I'm very excited because he's coming to the Ligonier Conference to speak in two weeks, and we'll be there. And my brother-in-law is uh, the chief of, of staff at Ligonier, and so um, it looks like we might be able to have my 13-year-old meet Vody. And that kid is that kid is stoked. Well, I, I will definitely make fun check of you, him out. But I'm actually happy for JC. That's really cool. So yeah, my son, so Vody Bauckham is, um, he's a preacher, but he has recently taken on the role of Dean of Theology at African Christian University. And so my 13 year old blonde haired, blue eyed white kid wants to go to ACU now and has wanted to do that for a while. And so he's, uh, he's very excited to talk to Vody about it. I've got his website pulled up. I'll have to, I'll check out his ministry. Roy, what's up, Roy? Hey, Nate. Hey, guys. How goes it? How are oh, you? I'm just stopping by. Just I miss fellowship with you guys. So, uh, yeah, I saw that you're still here. So, um, yeah, how's it been? Uh, well, I've been saying I have to go for about an hour and a half, which I really do have to go. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, we just met some new people. We met uh, Steph's spirit animal, Serendipity, up there. We met Stacy, who surprised everyone when we learned she's a Muslim. Um, we, we, I guess, had wrongly assumed that she's a you know, demon atheist like Michael. 
Um, <laughs> and um, gosh, Michael, I feel a certain kind of weird way uh, joking about stuff like that with your PTR. It seems like the snake's going to jump out of the screen and attack me. Oh, you're oh fine. look at his little face. I love this PTR. It's so cute. Look. That's Buttercup. She's my little donut. And that's like five feet long, you said? She's pretty cute. You said that one's like five feet long? No, no, this is, um, no, she's the, she's the second biggest. She's just over four feet. Ah, looks like uh, she would, she would like to meet my cats. (laughs) No, she's met my my dog nose to nose and they, they don't, they don't care about each other. Nate, how's your sick cat, by the way? Uh, seemed a little bit better. Uh, I took it to the vet. They gave it a shot and some medicine for vomiting. They think it ate one of my li- wife's uh, uh, lilies or tulips or something like that that's bad for cats. Oh. So uh, I'm like, I always joke about my wife poisoning my animals. I'm like, wow, you actually did it. She's like, I didn't know, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, sure, sure. So f- she feels bad. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we, we removed the plants and gave the cat the medicine. So hopefully this thing is going to gonna get better. Its whole life cost $20, and it was a buy one, get one special. And we've already spent like five times more life, more, more money than its entire life cost. Roy, this is why you need a pet. No, 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 no. No, thank you. I'll enjoy yours from, uh, from a virtual point of view. <laughs> Everybody needs animals. They make life more interesting. Ah, well, food is about to make my life more interesting. So uh, my parents and I, who are, are visiting, we're going to find some food. So uh, everyone, it was awesome. Uh, great to meet you, Serendipity and Stacy, and uh, all the regular suspects. Gia, thanks for being here. And um, Thanks, guys. <laughs> all right, take care. We'll be back here tomorrow. Thanks, Stephen awesome Cheers. <laughs> Stephen Dippity. <laughs> That's, that's everyone's challenge. Come up with funny names to call Steph and Serendipity tomorrow. Good. All right. Bye, y'all. <laughs> Later. Bye. Bye.